previously on Martini John. I was at Pixamondo twice, once for Iron Man and once for uh, Oblivion. Oblivion, which was the, uh, where was it, Banana Republic ad? Yeah. <laughs> right? That store up there? Yeah. Right? The, the, the big premiere uh, Banana Republic store in the I sky. was going to say it was the, the, the gift shop at the Pompadour. It's the Pompadour gift shop. <laughs> I bought this, but I don't have a receipt. Can I still return it? That was Tom Cruise's dilemma. He didn't save his receipt. That's a life lesson right there. Save it's, your receipts, guys. You can always learn from Tom Cruise, my friend. Tom Cruise. <laughs> Never too late. Never too late. Rocket. Look, <laughs> a drink and a half, and I am electrified here. Guys. It's a whole new comedy it's been program. three days since I've had a drink. This and you it. know what? Yeah, it's... Xanax and Chardonnay, baby. Let's do it. <laughs> Welcome back, Martini Giant fans. This is episode number 86, which is our Robert Altman episode featuring McCabe and Mrs. Miller from 1971, followed by MASH from 1972. And this is probably not going to be our only episode of uh, Robert Altman, uh, but I absolutely love it. Early Robert Altman really kind of redefined a new kind of filmmaking style, a new kind of directing style. And my gosh, to imagine how it must be like on be on set on McCabe and Mrs. Miller and try to collect all of that audio. It must have been amazing to do that. That's really, really incredible stuff. Uh, my only regret on this episode is Dan Thron was not actually able to join us. But we were, uh, because he had a power outage, or I forgot what the actual reasoning was. But uh, So it was just Eric and I, but we still did a great job, and I had an absolutely wonderful time. A couple notes on the podcast. As you guys know, we are doing everything on Twitch, and then we would love to be able to have you guys participate on the Twitch. And uh, as you listen to the episodes, you will see that people definitely come and join us. So, uh, And we comment on those people that are uh, part of the Twitch stream. So if you'd like to do that, it's twitch.tv slash martini underscore giant. And please join us there and subscribe to us. It's always beneficial. Uh, we would really, really appreciate that. Uh, and in fact, uh, this Saturday, the 19th of February at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, we will be doing not an actual podcast. We'll be doing a watch party. And this was a Dan Thron pick. We're going to be doing Hackers, which probably is pretty perfect for a watch party. Another new thing we just started doing is actually starting a Martini Giant Discord. Yes, we are three guys over 50 talking about movies in the 70s. And we have a Twitch stream and a Discord. So we're being very, very, very progressive. And I'm very happy to do that. Anyway, uh, I don't have the Discord link handy, or at least not something that I can say over an audio file because it's a bunch of random characters. Uh, but follow us on Twitter and you'll be able to do that. Again, that's Mar uh, is at Martini Giant on Twitter and you should be able to follow us there. Danthron will probably put up a link fairly soon. So just make sure you follow us on Twitter and you'll get a Discord link. And we would love to see you on Discord. Lots of discussions are open on Discord, including, you know, recommendations or anything you want to see or talk about or, you know, anything you want to know about. Love to see you on Twitter. In the meantime, please enjoy episode number 86, McCabe and Mrs. Miller and MASH. As you can see, Dan is not available. He lost power to his house and therefore will not be able to stream. But if power comes back, he has it on yeah, uh, the thing. Us. He'll join us. 
But mm -hmm. yeah. So this is a big <laughs> thing. I was just saying that you know, Dan, this is such Dan's movie. I know. He misses it. It's and he misses it. Yeah. You know what? He deserves it. Well, he's after after well, uh, you know what was it? Confession or whatever the hell that thing was. Baptism, that movie, confession, baptism, whatever <laughs> shit we watched. What was that? Yeah. Confession. No. Yeah. Whatever. What was it? Well, it was. Uh, confession. No, what was it? No. It was. A, it was some. Conf it was some kind of religious thing. Crap. Uh, I know what you're talking about, but I forget. Walking, walking this. Yeah, he hmm. deserves that. He deserved that. So that. this is, it's interesting. You love this. First of all, how are you doing? How's everything going? Going okay. Going okay. Going okay. I'm doing, I'm doing okay. I was, I was going to try to go fishing this morning, but I couldn't because the winds are really hard, which is uh, not good for fishing. And we were discussing that just before communion. Thank you, Jason. It was communion. Thank you. Uh, see, it was something you do in a Catholic church. <laughs> Uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, it, the winds are really strong, which is what affected Dan's power and also affected me not wanting to go to the beach and get up. As I said, I, uh, fly, uh, lodged in the back of my neck as I'm casting. Yeah. So, um, well, you're okay. I'm okay. How are you what doing? You do how, how are things in Florida? Uh, stormy, you know, stormy. So it's a little, yeah, it's overcast. So I've just been sitting inside working. Um, helping a friend out on this project and mm -hmm. just kind of doing that and getting ready for the week. Busy work is busy. Kind of running a couple different jobs. Plus, I'm working on you know writing my stuff, right. my screenplay. So um, yeah, it's all good though. It's all good. And watching a lot of movies. And Ozark started again this week, which was I love. Ozark. You love Ozark. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. What just do you like it. so much about Ozark? Uh, I like uh, the cast. The actors are great. I love the suspense of it. I mm -hmm. love the um, small ensemble of it. I don't like um, – it's almost a heisty type of thing where it's just really a small group of people put to the test. And right. I like those. Instead of like – pardon me, like, you know, guys in tight leotards running around with beams coming from their wrists, you know, like all that – whatever that shit is. What is that company? Marvel. So it's definitely um, – <laughs> That's what I love. I love it. It's a very compact, beautiful show for me. I yeah. totally dig it. And the writing is great. I love Succession, but man, this show is awesome. And Jason Bateman is a great director. Great, great, great. So I love it. I've seen it twice, all the seasons. And the new one just started the other night. So I've yeah. only watched one. How so many had... seasons are there, not including the one that just came out? Three. So I just blew through three again just right. to, to reinvigorate my soul. Plus I got a book on it, the script of uh, some stuff so I could just, I like it. I don't know. Succession. I love this year. And, um, I, and you know what else I've been watching, you know, because of work, I put stuff on in the background and take little breaks. Mm -hmm. But over the past couple of weeks is I'm watching again, uh, the, uh, people versus OJ Simpson. Oh, interesting. It's the second time I've seen it. I love that. It made me miss LA because, you know, we moved here a year or so ago. Right. Uh, to Florida. But I, I totally love that show. It's And Ryan Murphy is so great. And Travolta plays um, uh, Robert, uh, uh, what's his name? The attorney. Uh, it's great. 
It's great, great, great. It's a really well-made show. Did you know? Uh, yeah. Did you, do you remember Steve no. Prieg from DD? Yeah. He was, well, he, you work with him, I know, at least on, on iRobot. He was one of That's the right. main character TDs on iRobot, but he, he also, you know, worked, uh, he was, he was on uh, Benjamin Buttons and he got his Oscar for Benjamin Buttons and stuff like that. But Steve's, uh, Steve, his little backstory, uh, Steve did, uh, uh, worked as a before before doing visual effects he did uh trial uh computer graphics you know forensic yeah. graphics yeah and he did a forensic graphic for the oj simpson trial no yeah how exciting is that so he had to show like you know at, if someone was running at a specific pace from going from here to there how much time would it actually take him to do that so they they did the little CG guy running to show what it would be like. <laughs> wow! Did uh, the CG guy have like a Hertz uh, rental car T-shirt? He did not. So, but oh. what was funny was like they he he made the you know he gave a person like a skin color, and they're like you can't make him black, and they're like okay. <laughs> so they made him like blue <laughs> so they wouldn't be like no one would be offended by really? anything yeah interesting huh yeah i gotta say um watching it again i realized i mean i would have gotten nuts because i think there's one complete episode on the jurors i mean the jurors were it was like eight nine ten months yeah where they can't yeah. watch tv they can't see friends i mean it locked up for 10, 8, 9, 10 months is crazy, dude. Yeah, it's that's crazy. why every time every time I go to jury duty, I'm terrified that they're gonna, I'm gonna be on an OJ Simpson case. You know? Well, in LA, I, I was asked to leave the jury and I've never heard back from them. So, you know, yeah. So much for speeches in the courtroom. They didn't like it. So they, <laughs> and I didn't do it on purpose. I just, you know, said what I felt and they asked me to leave. And then I nice. never went back. Yeah. I didn't do it on purpose though. Honestly, I just, it's like, you know, some bureaucratic scam. Anyway, that was my, my opinions. And so I asked too many questions. They did. asked me to leave. Yeah. I did a thing where, you know, there, there, there was this, this judge and he tries to do this whole like pep talk for jury duty where he's like, you know, your civic duty or whatever you're supposed to do. You know, that's first, first part of the talk. And the second part of the talk is trying to explain like reasonable doubt, right? Yeah. Right. And so he goes to this whole thing and he sets up this big hypothetical situation and tries to explain under this hypothetical, this explains reasonable doubt, you know, like that, you know, clearly this is the person did it, but you know, reasonable, like what is reasonable, what is doubt, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so as that happened and then they started, I sort of like they asked if we had any questions and I said, actually, I have some questions. I started asking all these questions about reasonable doubt, like, yeah, like philosophical, like, well, what about this situation? That situation. And then they're like, okay. And then it's like, please excuse juror number 12. <laughs> like it was like pretty quick. <laughs> well, we went along with the, with everything. And I had said a comment uh, during the interview process. And then it, it came back to me. They said, you said something, and oh so you were the the trial had already started 
we we started it, and then okay. one of the prosec uh, defense attorneys was yeah. like, you know, going through my notes, you said something. What's why would you say that? And I said, look, I'll explain. And I took like ten minutes and gave a talk to the judge and them, and they looked at each other and like, oh, you can't be <laughs> dismissed. <laughs> dismissed. Yeah. They and the guy next to they. They waited a bit. We continued, and then the, they said, "We are now excusing juror, like, whatever." And the guy next to me thought it was him, and they're like, "No, sit down. It's the gentleman next to you in the blazer, in the in the black blazer." I was like, "Oh, right. I opened my mouth." Did you want to be a, on the trial? I I was rolling with it. You know, I took time off of work, but it was right. it was a case where a woman was chasing her son-in-law down the street with a handgun, and I was like, "Wait a minute." And, uh, you know, so yeah, I wanted to be part of the process. I really did. But, and that's why I didn't bring it up in the interview process, but they're like, wait a minute. Cause I asked what is relevant. If something happened in your life when you were under 15 years old, is it worth bringing up? And the judge's like, no, I was like, no, okay. Then I have you know, no comments. And then we went ahead and the woman was like, wait a minute, what was that thing? And I was like, oh, there you go. Yeah. So, but it's fine. It's uh, still want to contribute, but I definitely being eight months, ten months. But, oh man, I didn't. You know, when you watch it, you don't realize all the shenanigans that were going on. I mean, this is crazy shit, crazy stuff. Uh, right. And it, it's hard to believe that it's a court system, uh, that a functioning court system. I mean, just the way. And they're smart attorneys. Cochran is a smart guy, but man, right. did they play the system. And it's kind of like, well, so, but I, I highly recommend it's on Netflix, People versus O.J. Simpson. John Travolta plays um, Robert Shapiro. The guy that plays Ito is amazing. The guy that plays Cochran is, you know, amazing, Oscar worthy. He's, it's, it's not Oscars, but it's really a great show. Was it a Netflix movie? Yeah. And David Schwimmer and uh, Ryan Murphy, uh, I forget who directed it, Ryan Murphy. Uh, somebody directed it. It's amazing. It's nine episodes and uh is travolta and also uh kuba gundy jenner plays oj and david hmm. schwimmer of friends plays uh the kardashian wow and it's amazing like because they were friends i mean there's also a lot of stuff that you watch you don't realize went on i didn't realize it's weird i was in la when he was let off i remembered i lived in on in Brentwood. So I, you know, when I first met my wife, um, we had an apartment on Kiowa, which was right a block at the end of our block was her house. Right. So it was like, you know, it's pretty amazing, but you it was, about what, what, what was the name of the street on Brentwood? It was on, it was on Bundy. It's on Bundy. Right. Which yeah. is a major street. Yeah. But it cuts through past San Vicente. And then I was on Kiowa, which is basically fed out between Barrington and Bundy was, uh, was uh, Kiowa. And so right. it's, it's a pretty, it, there's a lot of things that I never knew. Like I never knew there was blood on his Bronco parked on his, in front of his house. I right. never knew that. Did you? No. Blood from him, Ron Goldman and her on the seat and on the door. So it's like, Oh, news to me. I never knew that. Um, right. Which is funny because that's the that was the exact reasonable doubt question that the judge asked me. Like his example that he used, he was trying to do is like, you know, 
if, if for example, like uh, you have a brand new TV and then you come in and the TV's broken on the ground and on the TV, you find peanut butter and jelly smeared on the TV. And then you see one of the kids with holding a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And he says, no, I didn't do it. <laughs> Since there's peanut butter and jelly on the TV and he's holding a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, that would say there's, he, he's done it. He probably did it beyond a reasonable doubt. <laughs> like that would be enough to say beyond reasonable doubt. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny because the exact example you told me was like, there was his blood. <laughs> it's like those three people's blood was in his car. That's like, did the you ever know that? Jelly. Huh? I didn't know that. No. It was it, when you watch this, you kind of are like, what? I mean, and the way it went down in uh, the way they did setups, if you watch like um, it, the way they, it's a chess game. Like when Mark Furman was discovered to be, you know, he was a crazy racist. Sorry right. to go down this road here. I could stop if you want. But when he was discovered to be a crazy racist yeah. uh, and he was on tape, you know, saying horrible racist things, which I never knew. Um, they asked, they brought him back into court because he was obviously going to create perjury. And so they brought him back and said, did you say these statements? And he said, I plead the fifth, right? Mm -hmm. You know, have you ever used the N word? Have you plead the fifth? Because he had given a testimony, you know, two months earlier, you know, under the halo that he was a great cop. And this is what he found because he was the first one at the crime scene and at OJ's house. Right. And so then, uh, what's his name? Uh, Johnny Cochran was like, okay, that's it. And then Shapiro whispers in his ear and he gets back up. And he says, I have one more question. He's like, did you plant evidence at OJ's house and on um, Bundy? Um, did you plant false evidence to frame OJ? And he said, you look, it's a setup. And he's like, I plead the fifth. So all of a sudden, everyone's like, whoa, <laughs> maybe right. he did do that. You know, he didn't, but, you know, he. But the isn't that, that a, isn't there a rule? That's an interesting trick, because isn't there a rule that, that once, you, once you plead the fifth, you have to continue pleading the fifth no matter what? That's I think it is. So he's, and so basically, because otherwise, otherwise they can say, no, now that you no longer plead the fifth. I, you, I have, you have to answer the other questions. Yeah. And John so, Travolta plays kind of uh, Shapiro and right. he comes across as kind of a pain in the ass um, elitist, you know, always worried about what people are saying, you need the right restaurants. Right. And Johnny Cochran's getting his hands dirty with his team. And Nathan Lane plays F. Lee Bailey. And mm. it's a phenomenal cast. And so they're kind of like really working hard. But Shapiro actually was the guy that turned it around because even though they sidelined him, He's the one that, in a recess break, walked up to the front and saw those gloves, you know, the gloves, the isotoners. Mm -hmm. And he's like, huh. And he just tried to put them on, and they don't fit. So he goes back <laughs> on a recess and tells Johnny Cochran with OJ, and everybody's like, put your hand up to mine, OJ. And OJ put his hand up, and it's identical size. And he said, I just tried the gloves on. They don't fit my hand. Right. And they're like, oh. Let's do that in front of the jury. And I mean, so two of the pivotal things is Shapiro, also the one about the way he framed Mark Furman, because they just wanted the jurors to believe that Furman possibly did it. 
And so Furman was like, uh, I plead the fifth, even though, you know, he just showed up. It's really crafty, crafty work. I mean, I have to say, if you, you w might dig it. I know the subject matter is like, well, I don't care about OJ, but man, it's damn, it's a great, it's well-made. Interesting. Well, and it really covers stuff and you'll probably be surprised because there's so much of it. I didn't follow it totally, you know, because I was in New York and, um, but I do remember when he was released, meaning he got off. Right. I was at the Ambassador Hotel um, uh, with a friend of mine because he ran it as a film rental place. It was closed. And I, I was in Sammy Davis Jr.'s old suite because it was an abandoned hotel. And I look out and everyone's running through the streets screaming, juice is loose. I was like, what? <laughs> so I ran downstairs and saw it on television. I was like, that's wow. fun. And it was just down the street. That was like 94, 95, 96. But yeah, it's definitely a good show for anybody. It's on Netflix. It's I, you'll be surprised on David Schwimmer. What a great actor! Mm, interesting. So you might you might like it. I, I don't know, but I totally dug it because I just thought it was informative. But there was some really great, yeah. And John Travolta is great. Yeah, all right. He's perfect. I mean, you don't realize it's him sometimes. And the guy that plays Cochrane is the best. And Marsha mm. Clark. Well, we'll definitely get into. Uh, we'll see. I'll see about about that with with OJ. But today we're not actually talking about uh, OJ oh, really? Simpson. We oh. are going to be talking about Mr. Robert Altman and uh, some of uh, his films. We're going to be talking about uh, McCabe and Mrs. Miller and Mash, uh, which I was very excited about, and I'm very disappointed in uh, uh, in uh, Dan for ditching us on this one. Uh, no, he's not ditching us. He didn't ditch us. He just didn't want to be on the show. Right. And yeah, that's fine. That's his prerogative. For those who've just joined us, Dan basically uh, lost power at his house due to a windstorm. So if that's what you're wondering why he's not here, that's what happened. But Dan and I, uh, Dan and I, Eric we will and I. Do, we will do our, our best. We'll do Dan our best. is the, the giant of discussion, but we will do our best. And we'll our uh, best. I, you know, we have opinions, but. I'm interested to know from you, and I'm not trying to take over you, host, but what you you love Mash. I do. I, I did. I, well, I yeah, I do. I think it's one of the greatest comedies of all time. Actually, um, I think it's very, very, very good. Uh, I've seen it a, bit, a ton of times. I hadn't seen it in a long time. That's like I probably haven't seen it in like ten years. Uh, but uh, but I like you know I was watching it again. It's like oh shit, I know all the lines. Like I knew lot of you know everything everything so uh it's a really good film and it's classic you know a lot of robert altman in there uh mccabe and mrs miller is even more altmany in some ways like you know in terms of the editing and the acting style and everything else but um there's you know, some the, similarities though i'll be honest oh there are between, a lot yeah and uh, yeah but we'll we'll go over that but i definitely uh I am more of a McCabe guy than a Mash guy. Uh, yes, I can. I can. I absolutely. I think that they're. Yes, McCabe, McCabe and Mrs. Miller is a, a a better a better film in some ways. Um, the writing on it is not as good as Mash, in terms of the the writing writing, in terms of the dialogue, in terms of the things going on, because. It doesn't need to be, right? Mm. It, uh, but the 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 overall structure, narrative, emotional impact, 
and cinematography of McCabe and Mrs. Miller is far superior to MASH. Well, apparently the script wasn't complete when they started and, and Warren Beatty was helping them write or working on it and writing right. as they went along. Um, so he was very organic about it. They actually built that little world mm -hmm. and they, and they put it all and people lived there prior and they all built everything and they lived there. And it was a very kind of 1969, 70 communal build it up and make it. And right. you could tell, you know, and, absolutely. You can tell. Absolutely. So can tell. It definitely is. Uh, I, I like that kind of the way I, but both of them have that dial of the, the audio, the way they just. The, yeah, the audio is key to this, right? <laughs> but even to MASH, I mean, MASH yeah. was like, I just, you know, for me, it was a, I feel like MASH sometimes when you watch it after all these years, it is a brilliant film. I'll give concessions, but I just, there's a little bit of a, a little vaudeville-y. Oh, absolutely. Bit of, yeah, and I sometimes it's a little, because there was that period where it was, you know, in fashion again. I just, I have trouble sometimes with that kind of sticky shtick stuff, you know, that just right. plows through. But, um, and the, scene, the scenes, it's almost like a dream. Well, it's, it's, it's a, because it doesn't actually have a consistent story that goes throughout the whole thing. It's one skit and then another skit and another That's skit, right. right? Which, and they're very funny. They're very funny, but they're also like, you know, a bit of reality in your face with all the surgery stuff, right? The so, surgery was amazing. Yeah. If you think about like half, I mean, they never did anything like that, showed the extent of, yeah. kind of just the surgery. Um, right. But I love the way he immerses you in the world. He does that and you yeah, get yeah, yeah. the sense. So you don't really need to follow an A to B to C to D to E. And you get that way too with- um, With both of the McCabe. films. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I think that to get people a little bit ready for this, we should talk uh, a couple things I think we can cover before we get into the, the details that uh, I'm, I'm excited to get into with you. The first is, <laughs> mention why we wanted to do these. Uh, uh, well, we've talked about Robert Altman in the background for a while and sort of like, mm, you know, that would be cool to do a Robert, some Robert Altman stuff. But I got into it because I've been, uh, as you guys know, been been reading uh, 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 Raging, uh, Easy Riders Easy and Raging Bulls, which is a, a great book about sort of uh, the filmmaking of the 70s and how that all got inspired. And uh, there's a big section on Robert Altman and how he was uh, back then. And it made me want to watch both of those films again. Um, so I, I, because I was like, oh, we really want to talk it. Because just the idea of how he got films like that made were interesting. And he was, Altman was an asshole and a drunk. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And, absolutely. And, and, uh, it's surprising that he could make such a complicated film. Like it, it feels like to make a Robert Altman film feels hard, well, like technically hard. He, well, it, what it is is that he just brings a family together, an environment, and shoots it, and and just lets it all go. And sometimes I think it was two cameras at once, and it's just this immersive world, and right. you get that with the audio. So he basically built the little family goes out there shoots it and then stops right um by the way he did start lion gate film lionsgate i did okay yeah 
That was yeah. his production company. I didn't realize that, but yeah. yeah. So he started it. And I think it was the Lionsgate release for MASH. But if you read, I have one of his books that I, I love and I reach for. And I think I left it upstairs, but it's all the interviews with Robert Altman. And right. I was just kind of brushing through it again. There's some good interviews, but he definitely was like that. He was a big pot smoker, drinker. And, you know, you either got along with him or you didn't. Yeah. And that was it. And it was his world. And uh, some direct actors didn't like work. I don't think um, Sutherland liked working with him. Right. They didn't, they didn't get along. I don't think Bobby Duvall got along with him. Well, I think he, he did. He did. Um... Like from from what I remember from the from the book was that like he you know he would drink obviously a lot, but apparently he would every now and then he'd get a real mean streak and just start like he would be like yeah. everything's fine and then just start just railing like on someone like Dan like Dan just like Dan oh. yeah yeah well you know that's one of the reasons that's Dan yeah that's Dan like um, I asked him to stop drinking because of all the abuse I used to get from him. You know? oh. <laughs> I used to I laugh say that. At I should not still. make fun of that. No, but the definitely uh, he was like that. And when you read some of these interviews, you kind of realize that he was totally. But he was very seven. That was seventies, dude. I'm sure like Ashby was the same. Like oh, they, they all were, even yeah, like the, the, listening to like Peter Fonda and uh, what's his name um, on Dennis. Uh, uh, Dennis. Yeah, it's like God, like what? Like I'm surprised I even got made like uh, <laughs> well i think the thing about that too is that 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 period like there was a lot of um you know the studios were taking a big shit like 20th century fox yeah. right they sold off and made century yeah, yeah. city everyone needed money so they killed the old hollywood sets and all that stuff and try to rebuild so they let the screwballs take over right but they did amazing work and they just had total artistic freedom and yeah. uh and then, of course, you know, they got back into it once they were getting ripped off, like with Saturday Night Fever and everything else. Well, it's but, the, the it, it was the thing, right? It was like when they the, the the producers were no longer in charge, but the specifically the 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 uh, um, the directors became in charge, yeah. right? That was the, yeah. the switch because before that, directors were like, ah, just whatever, tell me what to shoot. You know what I mean? Yeah. So so uh, it's definitely. I love that period. I there's I also like the player that Altman did. It was funny because I was about to say, like I've as I was watching this and I was thinking about how movies have changed and we do nothing but crappy movie, crappy movies now. Like and I kept thinking of that speech from uh the player when they kept talking about like you can turn, you know, whatever, you just it's a generic movie generation system, and that's in the player. It's like, oh fuck, it's Altman, <laughs> who makes that statement right then and there, like Altman, the player is the anti-Marvel film in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know? and, and so it's funny because that's a Robert Altman film as well. And, and that's kind of funny. So, yeah, uh, I, I definitely here's a question for you. Do you think that it's just, you know, at that period? Yeah. Movies were such a powerful medium for everybody, how influential they are. But. Now it just seems like it's so saturated. You know, you look at the influence that he had uh, as an artist to reach audiences and, and the command he had because of his voice. Now it's like, you know, TikTok's got, you know, 300 of those. Yeah. Not on that level. It's like, 
I don't know. It just seems like the medium itself. It's just not. Well, that's right. Because you know what? You know what he did is he took advantage of the format, right? There was an opportunity came up for a new kind of filmmaking and he did it, right? And he did a new thing. It's, and, and I, you know, I can say the same thing for Star Wars. An opportunity showed up for a new kind of sci-fi film. And it slipped George, through the cracks. George Lucas did it. And no one thought it was going to be successful. No one thought MASH was going to be successful. They, by the well, way, he was the 15th director asked. Really? Yeah. There were 15, 14 other directors asked and kind of hem and hawed and finally turned it down. He yeah. was already directing on, uh, you know, for television and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. He was doing a bunch of TV stuff. So he was a big deal. Was McCabe, McCabe was before MASH, right? No. Was he after? Did, yeah. He had done a couple of movies and some uh, weren't so successful. I think he did Brewster McCloud, uh, right. I think after. But then it was MASH that was the one that put him on the map. But as a television director, he was making money. Uh, but, you know, as as they say in the interviews, he was making $1 million a year, but his gambling habit was $2 million a year. Right. So he, you know, he definitely, he had four, by that time he had four. He was much yeah, so older. Match, you're right. Match was 70 and McCabe was 71. Seven, yeah. Yeah. So he basically, he was. And Long Goodbye, which we also covered, was in 73. That's right. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, he. He was a late bloomer. I mean, a lot of oh, yeah. he was definitely the late bloomer. Uh, and he, you know, he arrived late and he, he, he really worked hard since the 50s. He was also a bomber in um, like the Air Force. You know, right. he definitely was an interesting guy. But yeah. um, he's, he definitely was, I think he was 50, right? 48 or 50. By the time that movie came out, his first movie, we have to look that up. I don't he know. He's still he alive. wasn't. No, he's dead. Is he? Didn't he die? No, he died five. Uh, oh, 2006. Yeah. No, he died in 2006. 2006. So, uh, so 1925 is when he was born, and it came out in 19. So he was 45. Yeah. When Mash came out. That's right. So for what it was. That's 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 late. <laughs> That's late. He was yeah. a late bloomer and he admits that, but yeah. you know, he waited for everybody to catch up to him is what he would always say. Right. And yeah. I don't know. I like his stuff. You know, a lot of actors later on just wanted to work with him. Yeah, so yeah. they took those roles, but he's definitely, well, he's a, he's a, he's a, like being in a Robert Altman film as an actor. I was going to actually ask my actor friend, like what, what that, what that would be like. Was like, he in it? No, 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 no. But I mean, just, just what, you know, it got it's got to be challenging and, and interesting to be in, in a robert altman film you know because of how all the dialogue works and how and i know people like pt anderson was a huge fan i think he was his dga shadow for one, really? his last film yeah because he just wanted to sit next to him and see how he directed which is right. amazing that he did that and so but totally love the guy and there are a lot of great directors today who he's very organic i mean you listen like all you have to do is listen to the dialogue. Just it overlaps each other, but it's so yeah. natural. It's almost oh, like yeah, it's yeah. the first immersive director. It's yeah. It feels like you're watching reality TV, but in a strange way, like in a really interesting way. Um, okay. Uh, who, what do you want to go over first? Do you want to go over MASH or do you want to go over McCabe? Go over MASH first. 
Okay, we'll do MASH first because we'll do it chronologically. Um, so if I am, MASH is probably one of the things that most people at least know about. I think most, a lot of people don't even realize MASH was a movie before it was a series, yeah. um, a TV series. Uh, obviously, MASH was at some point like the most popular TV series of all time. It was, yes. Um, and it was. Did you like the TV series? In, I did when I saw it. I haven't seen it in a long time. It's on. It's on streaming now. Yeah. Did you Obviously, like it? No. Okay. I thought it was just. I don't know. There was pompous, and I know everyone loved it, but I wasn't. You know. Well, the last couple seasons were very preachy, and then it. That's when it went. That's down. what it was preachy. Yeah. Yeah. The that's end a very was. Good point. Yeah. At the end, it was very preachy, and it was like. Ugh. Yeah. And there was That's something a good, a, good observation. The, the, well, first of all, so so MASH, you know, just to give MASH stands for Mobile Army. For those who are you who are not in the United States or who may be listening to it, uh, uh, MASH stands for Mobile Army Surgical Hospital, and this was basically these mobile hospitals that the army would have that they would place, uh, you know, fairly close to, but not exactly on the front lines of the war. And then when people would get injured, they would fly them into these hospitals, which are basically a bunch of tents. Mm -hmm. uh, and so very, very uh, rudimentary hospital. And so this particular one takes place during the Korean War. And they set up, you know, a bunch of doctors uh, who were uh, uh, drafted into the army uh, to basically uh, perform surgery on, on a wounded soldiers uh, from the front line. Uh, and that sounds like a pretty harsh uh, and, uh, you know, horrible yeah. dramatic show but in fact the irony is that it's a comedy uh, a very very slapstick comedy about something that is quite gruesome and so that that sort of juxtaposition is the incentive of this of this show of this movie um, did you and, think it was the cruelty not cruelty but the way they portrayed the women were you offended by that well today yes <laughs> Right. But back then, I don't think they thought it was cruel. <laughs> well, they did. Right? People did speak. Some people did. You know, it was objective, definitely objectification of the women. Right. The nurses were were sex yeah. objects. Right. But, yeah. He, he. I think he defends that. Like, yeah, it's as though it's just, you know, he's basically that's what happened. And you know, right. Like, so but it was I think I think the setup of the vignettes um I love the way it's a world. You totally believe his worlds. And I love the immersive quality of the worlds and following the dialogue and everything. But sure. I feel like um, I even love the arrogance of the doctors. I just, there was a lot to it. But at the same time, when it gets very campy, like with the, there's some funny stuff, by the way. Some um, funny stuff. Like when they kept scoring the football and he's like, well, it's just one point. <laughs> <laughs> Like, well, they just made the, they just scored. Well, it's just six points. Well, they just take the field goal. Well, it's just one point. There's so. a, I mean, the, the whole thing is one gag after another. I mean, it's, if you want to, if you want a comedy and start laughing, it's a, it's, it's a, it's there. It's got a lot of very funny things. Like even just like one of my favorite things is Elliot Gould with the martini and the olive. That one cracked That's me up. That's great. That's yeah. great. So. That's um, really, really good. But yes, it's definitely uh but for me, it doesn't hold. I can watch McCabe over and over again, and I pull something from it. Well, McCabe has got a lot of problems, too, with that stuff. 
Yeah, but I'm just talking about like I find a little bit of mash. It's just sometimes it's just it shows it's dated to me. At yes. Times. And whereas McCabe isn't, there's something that's timeless about it, including the music, which I love. So it's just like there. I think I think there's definitely something dated about McCabe as well, but yeah. it's not as dated. It's, it's not the same way that it feels with Mash. I agree with what you're saying there. Yeah, and uh, also, but, but also, I'm also looking at Mash. And I'm like, I am not about to sit there and go, you know, like, well, now I'm offended by how they're objectifying women, so I can't watch this anymore. Like, I'm not going to do that. I just have to sort of let that go. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. But you've mentioned it before. I did. Um, I did. I did. And and I felt, you know, like I feel this. I can't watch Sixteen Candles the same way now anymore. Like I haven't been able to do that for a while. I was like, wait a minute, this is all about really. No. Huh. Yeah. Why? By the way, did you notice on McCabe when you watched it and at the end, did you scrub it or did you really watch it? No, I watched the whole thing. Why? Why? Hello? Can you hear me? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. So you asked me if I scrugs McCabe. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Did you just recently watch it? No, I just watched it like okay, two days okay. ago. Yeah, yeah. So my point is that snow. Oh yeah. That is totally like Fake. I forgot. Yeah, and I was like, God, I totally because I'm just sitting there. I paused it and I came back. I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, because no, it's a, it's like it's like a it's like they put a crappy After Effects filter on it. <laughs> I know, and uh, the other thing, but you didn't need to because. It was such an overcast moment. You didn't actually need that shit flying in front. You just let the, the scene play. And I realized- well, The thing is, that so, no, they did. And I'll tell you why. Because it was snowing in some shots. And they had to keep- because there was Oh, the continuity. The continuity. So they couldn't have it snow and not snow, snow and not snow. So they basically was like, we'll just add snow to everything. And that way it'll become- Yeah. They also, I was reading about, they flashed it um, all the film. So oh, right. All it, yeah. So they flashed it. So they would shoot it, flash it, which was just overexpose it. And then right. uh, in the red channel and then basically then process it. So that and a lot of people were nervous about that. So um, but it does give that antique look, which is cool. Yeah. 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 So but even that was considered, you know, he's trying to recreate an old postcard or an old time photo or magazine. Sure. Which which people thought was really threw people off, and it wasn't received very well. The show, right? The movie well, at first. Let's let's get back to match before we get to McCabe, though, because I know you want to jump on McCabe, but we'll. we'll, we'll I just it. jump everywhere. It's called ADD. Yeah, it's okay. Um, it's, it's, okay. it's okay. So, but anyway, mash. All right. So uh, this be like like I mentioned earlier. It's not there's not a specific continuous story. It's more like five or six stories that happen throughout mm -hmm. this process. Um, and uh, that's kind of, you know, um, uh, one of the things about it. And it's funny, right? It's a little bit, I don't want to go, you know, it's not as far as like airplane, but there's a little bit of that, you know, gags that are going on throughout this story. But basically you're following the antics, which I actually really like the ending of MASH, by the way, how they do the end title. That's the best. Yeah. The best. 
So, so just to give people an idea, I'm sorry, I hate to jump it's to like the a end, theater but company. But yeah, what they do at the end is throughout the whole movie, you keep hearing the the announcements being done over the intercom over the base. And they're like, you know, uh, they'll announce things. And it's usually things that are related to, to the culture of the time. Like it's like uh, Surgeon General warns that marijuana is just as dangerous as alcohol or more dangerous than alcohol or whatever, like things of that nature. So like they're kind of like, uh, whoever has been stealing the methamphetamines from the pharmacy, please, you know, like those types of announcements are happening. So you have them announced throughout the, the, the movie and they sort of break up the different stories. They, you know, mm -hmm. like they'll interrupt it with these little uh, announcements over to PA. But the end of the movie, but they'll have like uh, tonight's movie is the guns of Navarone or whatever it is that they're announcing. And then uh, you see, you hear that throughout the whole process of what they're going to be showing movies or whatever. But at the very end of the movie, instead of actually showing the credits of the movie, they say, you have been enjoying the movie MASH directed by Robert Altman, but it's done yeah. over the intercom like you've been hearing the whole time, starring blah, 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 it's blah, great. blah. And so it basically all the end credits are done as an audio through the PA system on top of that, which is yeah. kind of a, it's brilliant. It's really brilliant, it, it, but it's very like theater company. And I think that, yeah, yeah, I really, yeah. I like that a lot. And I totally forgot about that. Actually. I did too. I did too. And it's kind of nice to see that. He's like, Oh, that's really kind of like, I remember it. It's like, Oh, that's really funny. But then you see it again. And it's like, Oh, that's great. I highly recommend like going back to some of those old movies and that you you really liked and seeing them again, but. Over and over. Well, we do have, I mean, most people have at least two different subscriptions. So like Netflix and right. It's almost like we should put those up on our website just so people can check them out too, or if they forget. Yeah. yeah. Because it definitely, there's some good stuff out there and it just is endless, endless libraries. Right. It's crazy. It used to be you have to go to film festivals or special screenings, yep. you know, downtown. Now it's like just sit on your couch and just watch, blitz watch. through Robert Altman films. That's why the media is so, it, the audience has changed. So that's why I'm like, you know, where does it go from here? Yeah. You what if I mean? you have every, what if you ever had everything in front of you? <laughs> yeah. Is it, is it really, is that a good thing? Impact? Yeah. yeah. You're not standing in line to see a movie that has a cultural or significance um, of some point. Right. There's no anticipation of waiting for the theater, like no. watching a movie, Checking dedicated. The newspaper. And mm -hmm. that's just things, you know, it happens that way. I understand. But where is that next round? I'd be curious to know. I hear it. Um, so, but that's it. I hear so, it. I hear you, baby. I hear so. you, baby doll. Uh, so, so uh, we're basically following uh, several doctors, but the main doctors are uh, Elliot, played by Ellie Gould, Donald Sutherland, and Tom Skerritt. I forgot that was Tom Skerritt because he's too. so young, right? I know. There's there's a couple of people in there, but definitely Skerritt. I, I realized. How I did, I totally forgot. Yeah, and he's got that southern accent too in the in the in, in yeah, uh, which is kind of funky and weird. Yeah, yeah. No, he's great. Um, yeah. I definitely um, I like Elliot Gould too. You realize and and uh, Sutherland, like right. that was really Sutherland just starting his career. Yeah, it? like it must be. Yeah, yeah. Like what had he done before that? I don't know what he had done before that. Uh, anyway but yeah uh yeah it was it was pretty good but basically it's these surgeons they 
clearly are goofballs, right? It feels, it, honestly, it feels like digital domain in a lot of ways. Like, you know, whatever. We'll, you know, <laughs> doesn't it? Digital domain. Doesn't MASH yeah, feel like digital domain? It's like, yeah, we're surgeons, but, you know, we're going to be drinking martinis at our desks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, there is that. And it's a weird thing, too, because it's like you always saw doctors in television as these serious guys, these godlike figures. And here they are, like, right. you know, just flippant about everything, even death. They're just like, right. whatever. And right. Um, it's definite and drinking and just totally. So that's really, could you say that was the effects of the war or it's just they were pacifists forced in there and that's they just behave this way or were they just really like that i think it was there for comedy i think all of it was the the whole movie is ironic right though you'd expect a movie about a mobile army hospital in korea with a lot of you know you know trying to save lives of people in war would be a very dramatic piece but it's not and you'd expect doctors just as you said to be serious people etc etc but it's not, right? And that's why it was good as a movie. And that's why probably the last few uh, seasons of MASH, the series, started to fail because they started getting preachy, which is not what MASH is all about, right? Yeah, yeah so, they were flippant yeah. and they didn't care um, about a lot of things. Or but the, the big thing about, about these guys is, the, you know, the, the, the doctors is they treated the, they treated the, uh, uh, the MASH uh, campsite as a frat house, right? They had their they had their their tent. They called it the swamp. They drank martinis. They would have card, you know, play poker, that kind of stuff. It was very much that that was the thing. And then the colonel who was there really didn't give a shit that much. No, uh, he was great. Yeah, he's a terrible fly fisherman. Uh, terrible. Why do you say that? Well, it's very like him. Just sorry, he basically just did whatever he wanted to do. Right. Uh, that's the, the character he was. And so while people are trying to, like, you know, keep things in order, he's tying a fly to go fly fishing on, you know, to, you know, to do whatever he's doing. And so there's a picture of him like, or, you know, a shot of him like tying a fly. And it's the worst fly I've ever seen. It's like basically it's, if I were to go to you, Eric, and say, OK, just take a feather and tie it in there. Like, it's like, what the fuck is he doing? It's just like, you're like, nah. it just looked like a puff ball of like nothingness. So which was fine. And most people wouldn't know that that's a terrible fly. had nothing to do with it. And I'm I'm only being you know like it doesn't. It's really funny matter. that you noticed that I didn't. Yeah, but I did think of you, but I I don't think I didn't think that you would. Not the fly was fly. the worst, the worst. But then it's it's basically and on top of that, he's like, like the scene of him holding the thread that was hilarious. Like he wouldn't tie a fly with a loose thread like that. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, and then also when he was casting in the river, it was like oh my god, really? Like like it was kind of funny. But the joke was. That, oh, yeah. those he because they said the general's playing golf and he's like, Oh, those guys have it so easy and Kush Life just doing and it was he's fly fishing, fly fishing. <laughs> that was kind of funny, it was hilarious, yeah, 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 very, very good. But yeah, yeah. I mean, the uh, jokes were the jokes are good, the jokes are very good, uh, very good. Um, but yes, and he does play up this thing, like you said, there's something very specific about MASH, which is definitely true in McKay, but we'll stick to MASH for now, is he has a huge amount of overlapping dialogue that's constantly happening. Huge amount. 
right? Yeah. And so you can hear jokes happening and you can hear the audio that's happening off screen and video of something else. And it's all, it's like you're there in the middle of it and you're listening and watching six things happening at once and somehow you're getting it. And so whoever is doing the audio mixing for Robert Altman film is a fucking genius <laughs> to make this all work. Because there must be a bunch of ADR that they're adding in as well or something, you know, it's just. Oh, yeah. They're just, they're recording everything. And yeah. Really just kind of, um, I, I love that about it because everybody has this kind of, you, you can see the main actors like in McCabe walk in, but all mm -hmm. of a sudden in the back when they say what was his name did he kill that guy yeah, like yeah. you're following all these characters right and they're all talking he, at once yeah all talking at once and i love that because he did it as though you're right there and i'm not right. doing his his process justice but the point is that's i love that feel of his movie so you don't have to follow the lead right no it's his, it would be dialogue. like it, it would be like you're walking into like a pub and you're hearing six conversations at once right uh, which is kind of an interesting thing. Uh, by the way, there's a lot of actors that are in both films, uh, which is also an interesting thing as well. Uh, also, the other thing that was interesting about MASH, uh, and this is something I think that's important to note of that time, a lot of these actors were first-time actors or no big name. Like Elliot Gould, I think, might have been had a bigger name you know, I think he did. He was married to what's her name at that time, Barbara Streisand. Right. So, so he was probably the only one who had a bigger name. But even Robert Duvall wasn't that big at that time. I don't no. think he was in. Um, he was in. No, yeah. Well, he was in. Um, wasn't he in like uh, uh, like Clint Eastwood Dirty Harry movies? He was maybe, in one of them as maybe. a cab driver. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I think that was it. Yeah, he was a but, cab driver of some sort in right. one of those movies. Right, 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 right. But it's basically like, you know, that the movie was done not to be about the stars, right? Yeah. So the dialogue was the, the, the whole piece itself. That's, I think, what was brilliant, especially at that time. No one was doing anything like that. No one was doing anything like that. And uh, when they first, I think when the producer or the, the, the studio saw the first cut of it, they thought it was total shit because like how do, i can't hear anything that's going on that's right they're like it's they're, they're like it's very aggressive and insulting you can't you know talk about the nurse's tits the way they do like the studio just like was no way you can do this right and i forgot someone some guy brought in uh, like in the story in, in raging bulls uh, uh, in, the, in the book i'm reading is like someone brought in like these two like french young girls right that were watching a screening of the film and the the studio's like this is very offensive and the girl's like no it's great it's hilarious and they were like don't change a thing and apparently it did really really well like internationally yeah. which is yeah. Uh, yeah which is interesting well, isn't that always the case like with american jazz or anything it's just yeah. usually the europeans get our really cutting edge beautiful work uh, yeah. first and then oh yeah it's popular i guess it is something to it yeah that's always oh. been the case because we we're, we're so used sad, to the, the enterprise level of filmmaking that's bs anyway well it yeah enterprise level meaning musicals and all sorts of other shit but yes right. 
which is not bad. I'm just saying that's the system that was it. But they realized right. the system was falling apart at that time or yeah. did fall apart. So, um, you know, it's an interesting point now. I mean, the system itself, too, is, I mean, you think about like Microsoft buying. Um, oh, Blizzard. Blizzard. It's like. Yes, something's changing too. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Uh, well, first of all, it's interesting. Uh, that's not a complete done deal. Oh, really? Uh, no. The FCC has to approve, approve it. Approve it. And the new head of the FCC, she's a fucking bulldog and really paying attention to the tech world. She's hardcore. Look into really? her. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's very much like break up Facebook, break up this, like it's like monopolies again, anti-tech monopolies. And so but how much uh, is a monopoly if, if Microsoft? Well, people buys don't it? necessarily know, think that Microsoft buying Blizzard is a monopoly, but it actually can be. It's huge. Like they, they, they do World of Warcraft, right? Microsoft, first of all, by the way, why do you think Microsoft bought Blizzard? Isn't, to get ahead of this whole metaverse thing, there like, it is. The, yeah. the whole the, the scope of all of that that's going yep. on, and a lot of people are buying out of fear too, because we got to be part of the next thing. Right. Not that it was a bad purchase. I'm just saying, but it's like seventy billion dollars. Sixty-eight point seven. Let's be accurate, Chris. Okay. That's, it's not seventy billion. It was sixty-eight point seven billion. Right. Um. But yes. So that's why they did it. There's definitely a chasing. Chasing. By the way, Blizzard has a ton of money. <laughs> oh, it's bad. Yeah. They had their, I, I just, Karen was just telling me, they had their Christmas party. They rented out all of Disneyland for their Christmas party. Really? Yeah. <laughs> all at Disneyland? Yeah. They like shut down Disneyland and then they took over for their employees so they could go to oh, Disneyland. Shit. That <laughs> is, what are the costs of renting out Disneyland for the day? Yeah. A lot. A lot. Yep. What? Are you serious? Yeah. Look it up. That's the craziest thing in the world. Um yeah. that is it's gotta be millions to rent it out for a day. Mm -hmm. They make a lot of money. There is a time when I don't know if it's still the case, but they were making a billion dollars a month just on World of Warcraft. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> So then they probably, Microsoft maybe got a good deal. I don't know. I just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But the problem with the problem with Blizzard is that it's a toxic environment. You remember, that's the one where all the people had to walk out because of the bro culture. Yeah, and, uh, eight years ago. No, was... no, recently. Really? How recently? Yeah, yeah, recently. Like in the last couple of years. Anyone in chat can, can chime in if they want to. But yeah, yeah, this, the whole Microsoft thing was a, uh, or Blizzard thing was a bad deal. Uh, bad, bad deal. Uh, and yeah, anyway. Okay. So, so we'll with, see. even with that said, Microsoft's got a lot of stuff to deal with. I don't yeah. know. I, I just find it, the whole thing fascinating. Like there's this not panicking, but there's just all of a sudden this merging, just like in the late seventies, right? Yeah. When there was a lot of consolidation and all of a sudden Disney's kind of coming through and buying stuff and it's just mm -hmm. Turner like all that's, it's like the eighties all over again, but with a different format. And that's why mm -hmm. I said, God, it's like not the way the medium is used to be. Yeah. And Netflix lost a ton of stock because they fell just short of their goal for subscribers. I know. 
which is ridiculous. That just shows how much it was speculative, you know? Yeah. They spend a lot of money, dude. It's incredible. I was watching like what they just throw down from shows. They just keep spending money. Yeah. Well, they it's, made up. They they released a movie, one movie every month, or every week. No, one movie every week was released on Netflix. And this is yeah. these, most of these. Most of these are not like made for TV type movies. These are like you know, these were bigger movies. Yeah. At least a dozen of them were bigger movies, like big movies, like it's like Don't Look Up and stuff like that. That's not a small movie. That's not a small movie. Wow. So it's interesting. There's no uh, end. But yeah. yeah, I definitely, it's definitely when you watch all those old movies, what a big deal it was to yeah. get something made. And, and now yeah. it's just, it's so hard to get something made, but it's such a different world. Imagine yeah. a, seeing a, Altman rives today. Yeah. Because he was very organic too in his style. Like uh, some of those, I think even the, Dan will have to correct me, but I don't know if the skip, script was, it was a lot of improv for MASH. And, oh, I'm um, sure. And it wasn't, but I know that for McCabe and Mr. Miller, the script wasn't complete. And it made everybody right. really nervous. It made uh, Warren Beatty super nervous, apparently. Right. So, uh, just, well, he nailed it. He did a really good job. Warren Beatty is one of the best parts Bay, of that movie. Yes. But he's also, Altman deals with, I love his, the way he does it because it's all about images. And right. the images can really take you down, uh, help with the dialogue and really kind of help you shape a character, I feel, more than dialogue. Right. And it's just the, the imagery of what he's going through. Just like running through, uh, well, we'll, Talk about it later. Yeah. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself again. Yeah. Well, let's let's. Anyway, we'll, we'll we're gonna. I still want to wrap up on Mash because there was several interesting things about it. Um, like I said, it was several little gag stories about it. This, but some of the it's a lot of it is about the characters that are involved. So some of the fun characters. Obviously, we mentioned the surgeons of Elliot Gould and Scared and and, and Sutherland, which is Hawkeye and et cetera, et cetera. Those are the same characters that were used in the series, except they were recast. The only actor that was radar used on both is radar. Who was, that was his first film. He was right. And he yeah. was very good and very funny in that. And he plays exactly the same character and his, the gag of his character, which is hilarious is that the Colonel keeps giving him orders. He talks over the Colonel as the Colonel is giving him order, telling the Colonel what he needs to do. The colonel says, it's a, a, repeats and at the end, it's like, oh, and do this, but Radar's already doing that. So he's already ahead of the colonel. He knows exactly what needs to be done uh, and then leaves. And then someone else goes, well, what do I need to do? And goes, just talk to Radar. He's got all the details. But you never heard anything. It's just two people talking over each other, which is hilarious. Uh, anyway, Radar does a really good job. And he plays exactly the same character in the series and is a very funny character. One of, And he's kind of a secondary person, but really hilarious. Uh, but then the other main characters are Robert Duvall plays Frank. Um, and he is, uh, the person that basically is, uh, the, uh, not the frat boy, very religious and very much an army person. And they keep taunting him and teasing him about all of the, about his, uh, what he's trying to do. Uh, and that's not going too well. And he's also an asshole to people. Uh, Frank is. Uh, but he's, well, he's an like uptight paint, yes, uptight pain in the ass, and super pro army. And the other guys are clearly like, don't give a shit about the army, right? 
the next character comes in is the woman who plays Hot Lips. What's the? I don't know what the actress's name, but uh, but she was um, uh, quite quite funny, a major Houlihan, and yeah. uh, and she is also extremely uptight and plays a nurse. So the two of them conspire together uh, to try to bring down the whole Mash unit, uh, but it backfires uh, magnificently because they end up completely uh uh intoxicated with each other want to have sex with each other and then they broadcast it over entire camp which is one of the gags anyway there are many gags like this that happen throughout the whole thing um and we can get into some of those uh one 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 but basically that those are the antagonists or those are the characters and then of course there are uh our, our doctors out there and then the colonel who doesn't really give a shit just let everything happen on his own very laissez-faire shall we say the whole process. Do you know? I'm looking it up right now because I was I was thinking, was there a play or a Broadway show? There was a play written for high schools called Mash in 1973. But really? the cast of Mash series yes. appeared in IBM product advertising, and Fox developed a Mash video game that was released what? for the Atari 2600. Atari 8-bit computers and the Texas Instruments TI-99. Players what? alternate between controlling a helicopter, picking up wounded soldiers in the front line, and a surgeon removing shrapnel from a soldier. That's a terrible game. That's a terrible game. Because, <laughs> because the whole point of MASH is that it's really, really funny, even though that's going on. So you're doing all the stuff that's not funny. Yes. It's kind of strange. <laughs> They yeah. try to make it a, a video game, I guess, in the early 90s. When was the Atari out? No, that's the 80s, early 80s, man. That's right. Yeah. Early 80s, right? But I guess the TV show was popular. Yeah, to make a video game on that? I mean, yeah. how do you even make a video game on a TV? Yeah. Like, I mean, how would it you is really funny, though, when you, watch, when, you, when you watch MASH now. If you've lived in L.A. for any period of time, you're like, that's, that's Santa Monica Mountains. That's, that's Santa Monica Korea. Mountains. That's Korea. I know. <laughs> it's yeah. You that's can the really first thing, tell. and they use the same helicopter shot over and over. Show. Yeah, yeah. From the movie. From the movie. Yeah. And the set is still there. You can go to the park and see it. Oh really? Well, Where is it in Santa Monica Mountains? It is. Um, oh, I just looked it up the other night. Um, it is, keep talking. I don't remember. It is at Malibu State Creek State Park. Oh, that's very close to where I go fishing. I just sent a link to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So you can go there, pretend you're Hawkeye and, or, or just kind of cast in the rivers. Yeah. But they were shot there, and I think the movie was shot there. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, that's very close to where I. Fish. Fish. Very. Agora Hills. Yeah. Yeah, it's worth taking a trip there with the family. Um, but it's definitely a... You definitely... When I was a kid, I didn't think that. But then when you get older and you, when I was living in L.A., I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> that's, yeah. not, that's not Korea. But it definitely is pretty up there. Probably made it really easy to shoot. That's for sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. Everybody sure. could just, but Malibu State Park has filmed a lot of stuff. I'm thinking a lot of the old cool Westerns oh. Oh, yeah, were around sure. there in the, in the thirties and forties. 
Um, yep. You know, like I was reading about this location, like the 1930s Robin Hood. There were some scenes from this park in, um, in Pasadena. Yeah. I was like, that's crazy. They shot like Robin Hood, the movie with Errol Flynn in Pasadena Park. Okay. That makes sense. Well, it's just as odd because it totally looks like England. But yes, I thought it was interesting. All right. So let's see. Uh, there's a couple other hilarious bits in there. The whole Japan trip that was a little awkward, but funny. A little awkward. Do you want to check if Dan is listening? I don't know if he's listening. He, he texted me. He said that he's looking forward to listening to us at some point. Um, he says, I'm looking forward to hearing it when it, when it comes out. I was like, well, thanks, butthead. Thanks, butthead. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but he's shooting tonight, too. He's though. got a shoot tonight, which I'm wondering if he really does have a shoot tonight, if there's powers outage everywhere. But maybe he does. I don't know. So he's probably, my guess is he's like, oh, well, you know what? It'll just give me time to prep for the shoot. But that's, that's, where I, that's what I mentioned earlier. Yeah, but it's fine. It's it's, fine. Uh, it's all good. Yeah, but we'll just do it all over again with him in it, and it'll change the whole tone. It'll be like a CBB. Yeah. <laughs> CBB. I don't know what. I think we're doing a pretty good job. We're doing a pretty good job of covering Mr. Altman. Yeah. Right. Let us know in chat if you think we're doing a good job. Appreciate it. Uh, anyway, so the other thing that I thought was, uh, or the Japan thing was awkward, right? Like that one was. Like I remember it being super funny, and I was like, "Hmm, yeah." yeah first of all, slightly racist, but they were doing the whole thing, you know. And then definitely objectification of women, whorehouses, stuff like that. It just it just ended up there, and it it's like all over the place. And I right. understand it, but it just it was all over the place. And um, whereas the same with McCabe, but you caught a sense of where. You, McCabe McCabe had a story like a like a like a thread right. This one had a thread with the doctors themselves, like they were the in, doctors in surgery, were like yes, yeah. But but you would have like boom. Okay, now we're going to the scene where we're going to see her come. You know, they're going to lift the the the, the tent and expose the shower That's to right. see if she's a real blonde. And then they're in Japan. Yeah, like, it's like now boom. Okay, now we're going to Japan. Boom. Now we're going to do a football game. Okay, now we're going to do uh, you know. Uh, the, the 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 dentist committing suicide. Like these are all skits. These are all SNL skits, right? In some ways, all done Robert Altman style under the continuous threat of Mash. I have no real problem with that. I think it's hilarious. I think it's great in some ways. But that's what this movie is about. And they're all little skits, and they're they're worth it. They're in my mind, it's funny. I like I said, I still stand by it. I still think it is one of the great comedies in the United of in American filmmaking. Like it's up there with some like it hot and and other movies like that that I think are really some like comedies. it hot is a great film. Yes, it is. It's a fantastic film. It's in my mind still probably the number one comedy ever made in the United States. You think so? Mm, yeah, it's up there. It's pretty damn. Yeah. Well. Right. Yeah, I'm trying to think, but I'm a, I'm like an in laws fan, so for me, in laws I'm is good too. In-laws is top-notch. I'll tell you what. I, I, this, I, I did. I, I had a conversation with someone like like 15 years ago, whatever. It wasn't that long, like 12 years ago, whatever. And she was really funny. But she not she was not necessarily uh, exposed to a lot of films. 
shall we say? And she was telling me that coming to America is the greatest comedy of all time. And I was like, what? Okay. I said, well, it's a, it's a good comedy. It's a but, good comedy. But I think you haven't seen a lot of comedy. <laughs> How long ago was this? Oh, uh, it was like 12 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. There is the whole generation, though, where it's Fletch is, you know, a big, big winner from a lot of people. Fletch is, yeah. 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 Ghostbusters. Yeah. Ghostbusters. Yeah. But Some Like It Hot is up there. Like, okay, I'll tell you what. Blazing Saddles, way up there. (laughs) Way up there. Blazing Saddles is way up there. But Young Frankenstein, to me, is the best. I think Blazing Saddles is more, more poignant than Young Frankenstein. Huh. Interesting. But Mash is up there. Mash, there was, I think what's special about Mash is that, like, you, the, 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 I hate to say it, the smashing together of funky, gimmicky comedy with Robert Altman. Like, if you put those two things together and the, the amount of irony that's involved, right? Like, this is about the war zone in Korea. This is about, you know, doctors and all that. And you juxtapose all those, Iron ironic things are like doctors shouldn't be acting like this. This should be a serious film. You know, nurses are, you know, whatever, like all these things are going on. And they're like, I think that's the thing that was special about MASH. But also maybe, although it wasn't Vietnam, Vietnam was going on at that time. Right. So maybe a lot of people just took this scenario from the Korean war and just applied it to Vietnam, their feelings towards America in the Vietnam war. Right. So I mean, it feels like a Vietnam film in some ways, but you're reminded it's Korea instead. It's almost like though, I felt like the doctors there were kind of irreverent, I guess, uh, of their status or what they were doing or significance. And maybe because they didn't like the war, but you didn't say it. And I right. always felt it was the doctors were like almost from the Vietnam war, but it was, ta- it took place in Korea. Yes. Do you know what I'm saying? It did did feel contemporary, and by contemporary, I mean it felt like it was the 1970s in the film. Like the doctors were more like children of, pardon me, the 50s or late 40s Mm -hmm. who became doctors and are in Vietnam. Right. Because there were units like that. They had had a more hippie attitude, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and even all the nurses and all that the way they looked at, at uh, things and the way the girls hung out with uh, the men, like let's right. drink and hang out and the cocktails. And they were kind of in, some of them looked like they were in on the whole gag uh, against exposing her in the shower. Hot oh, they were. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, that's really. They don't do that in the fifties. No, no. So that's why I felt like it was more of Vietnam, but they just absolutely. <clears throat> and I don't know if they could have made Vietnam. Um, yeah, it was too soon, right? Maybe well, it was the, during the war. It hadn't even been going on yet. <laughs> no, it was going on. Well, like I mean, it hadn't been going on long enough for them to really have a perspective on Vietnam. Yeah. Well, no, they were against Vietnam protesting in 67, 68, 69. So do you think they didn't do it about Vietnam because Vietnam would have well, been Well, it was based like, on an original book about the Korean War. But I just felt it. like Altman's angle and the way he cast it and the way the characters were almost like Absolutely. guys yeah in Vietnam right now doing drugs and with hookers and just yeah. having fun because they don't fucking care because they didn't want to be there. They were stuck right. there and they don't believe in the system. 
Whereas right. I don't know if the doctors would that against the system in the Korean War, because remember, we had just finished World War II. Right, right. And we, we still were, had all that pride that was going on. The pride, yeah, yeah. And, at least in the military system. So well, they see it, that's a line in MASH itself is when when he uh, uh, Donald Sutherland like you know starts you know berating uh, uh, Hulahan about about the army or whatever, and she's complete shock as he basically you know insults her and and you know says that he you know she he, she could have slept with him but now she's not going to sleep with him or whatever bullshit he he says to her and she's in complete shock and she goes. I wonder how such a degenerate person could ever be uh, a member, an officer in the U.S. Army. And the the, <laughs> the priest looks at him. He's like, he was drafted. <laughs> like that was the answer, right? Yeah. And that was hilarious. It was really funny because that's exactly what happened, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, that's because he was drafted. He didn't want to be a part of this. So. <laughs> yeah, and what's interesting too, it's like you don't really see the arcs of the characters because. Hulahan was such uh, or Hot Lips was such a tight ass, and then yeah, by and the then time she suddenly she was, she su she's she a cheerleader on the football team. Yeah, like how yeah. did that happen? You know, it and happened so while they were in Japan, <laughs> is what happened. That's their explanation for it, right? Because while they were in Japan, Scarrett or the guy who plays you know Tom Scarrett, uh, uh, basically hooks up with Hulahan, and so then she just becomes part of the guys, like right. That no, so basically he well I won't say be derogatory. <laughs> yes, okay. Right? Gonna, because she's sorry. like she he convinces her to just I think the implication is he just convinces her like just hang out, have fun. Why are you all so fucking uptight? You know, let's screw around. But and, you never caught that. And maybe no. that's an edit. Maybe that's an edit. It could have been. It could have been. But it doesn't but, really need to be by the way, a lot of do ways, you notice but, though the type of filmmaking that when they were on the football field with the cheerleaders, yeah, the way the the guys were there and the girls behind, and they kind of there was an energy to them, and the way they um, were being the girls were being goofy but cute, you know, like with the, uh -huh. the cheering, and it almost it was like an eighties film, like that yeah. tonality of the guy and the contrast between the guys and the girls and right. the youthfulness, but also the kind of their cute but goofy humor like let's yep. go guys with the you know and it was just it was like one of those ensemble pictures like you admit pretty in pink but not pretty in pink but the other ones right it was very 80s film i was like the way they put the characters together yeah. um uh, and the sexes together and and situate them like that yeah. I, it was definitely a template but that to me was a different type of film than it was at the camp yeah even yeah. when they were in japan that's a different type of movie. Yeah. As soon as they left the base, it was shot differently to me and the, the way that this, the characters were, and it was a little right. more screwball antic comedy um, once they were on the football field. Yeah. Like Revenge of the Nerds. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah, little yeah, bit, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I see what you're saying. They had for sure. A guy come in and play. Revenge of the Nerds is a good way to do it, although I think the editing style and the music, well, first of all, the music is very vaudeville. Like the music is like boom, bop, boom, bop, 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 b
There's good lines, hilarious lines. No, I don't look lines. at it as great comedy. Or, I mean, you know, I don't think of it as um, in the terms of is it good films or not. There's a lot of films I like that you probably like. I love Razor's Edge, and you're like, that's just a hunk of crap. Um, I didn't say that. You just said it was it was no. shit. What did you I did say? Not, I did not you say said, that. I am embarrassed Go to have you on we my We have it recorded. You can listen to it if you want mm -hmm. to. I will be the judge of that. No, mm -hmm. but the point is, I, I love. I don't, I don't look at films just as oh, and it's got to be a great film. What resonates with me, and there is, there is a whole category of films, and I I think I answered it today, or at least for myself, is that you know going back and looking at some of my books on Altman and kind of refreshing myself for the show, I realized like he's so image based that he's like you know if we have a script we have a script or a loose outline, right? You know and. I'm a very image-based person. And yes. that's why it resonates with me. I feel uh, like Absolutely. I can totally see that. And so like what I love about movies like McCabe is that you're immersed in it. And the image of him in the snow and struggling, you don't have to have a dialogue to well, pierce that. Right. But I think to... that you really get immersed in MASH as well. Like MASH is like you are introduced to a world that is different unusual and oh, you do unexpected yeah. right but the dialogue and the setup for comedy is different than from what you have in the cave sure i do want to have a note though about jeeps <laughs> it's an interesting thing and i thought it was in the movie but i don't think it's not in the movie i think it was in the series but the jeep that they were driving as a willis and uh my buddy daniel buck owns a willis that he's actually restored and done a bunch of work on but he when he first got it, it was like a willis like straight out of the army just like they have in mash right same 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 what old, year those old uh the one that he had is a 1939 or something or 1941 wow. something like that it's pretty old anyway the the, what's interesting about it, you know, you've driven a stick shift, right, Eric? You know the stick yes, shift. Yes, of course. Stick, right. So, you know, there's the H pattern that you do. But in the Willis, it's a three-gear stick shift. But where normally first gear is, is reverse. So it's one. So That's it's, why sometimes they go backwards. Yes, that's exactly right. So like, In some of the comedy films or like if films right. in the 80s where they're army movies like Stripes, they actually go, oh, sorry, backwards. Yeah, that's right. Why. That's because that's why. Because reverse is actually where first is normally on normal cars. So it's reverse and then down is first and then up to the right is second and then down uh, to the right is uh, third. And neutral is in the center. Neutral is in the center like normal. But yeah, reverse is, is where normally first gear would be. That is yeah. interesting. That explains <laughs> sometimes where that goes backwards. And yeah. they probably just said, I eh, just keep it in. Yeah. <laughs> Right. What movie was it where they went backwards the whole way? Was it Stripes? Mm -hmm. They went backwards in the Jeep because they couldn't get it out of reverse. I think that's it. <laughs> that's it. I was trying to think of what movie that was. Yeah. But sometimes but yeah, you see the war was... movies where they go backwards at first. Yeah, yeah. Know, and, like, hey. and then they like change it and go. And they <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. I wonder why they did it that way. Well, I guess it didn't really. wasn't a set pattern by the, the late 30s. So they just did they it. They made a ton of those jeeps man those jeeps are coming out like tic tacs out of the factories <laughs> i bet i bet yeah um but how do they hold up i mean when he did the redo he probably had to like spend oh he's grand. done he, it's i think it's 
there's some some of the original left on it, but he's changed like he's changed the transmission. He's put a different transmission in there. He's put in a he put a uh, uh, a turbo diesel in there. What? So what he did is that's because that's Daniel. He does these crazy things. He found Subaru makes a motor, a small diesel that. motor, that's a turbo diesel motor, that is used for uh, compressors for refrigerator trucks. Oh right? yeah, right. So yeah, and apparently, what happened is they changed some law about a certain kind of motor that you could use for these types of things. So they had to pull out all these old Subaru motors out of these refrigerator trucks and replace them with other motors, which was you know. But then all of there was a bunch of these leftover Subaru turbo diesels that were sort of sitting around. So you could buy them fairly cheap. Off what's you know, fairly cheap. I don't know, like a couple hundred bucks or something like that for the whole wow. motor. And so, uh, of course he, it's $5,000 for shipping. Well, <laughs> he, he, he got it, he got it. And he, apparently it works really well for the Willis. So he put a turbo diesel in there. And then of course, when he does that, the rest of the whole powertrain starts to fail because it's not used to dealing with like a, you know, a torque. diesel motor or more torque or whatever. And by the way, turbo diesel don't, doesn't actually, isn't actually mean it's more powerful. Like, no. Almost every diesel engine needs a turbo because otherwise they're underpowered. So um, it's just more modern. Yeah. But then, so he put that in there and he put new suspension, new wheels, and just a bunch of shit. It still has the kind of has the look of a, of a Willis, but it's not really Willis. But what's I, interesting is he did a bunch of renovations on it and then he did this big uh, cross country road trip in the car. He went all the way from here to like Southern California and then up to Ohio and across the upside, like did this big circle trip in around in that Jeep. And he did, uh, uh, took a whole bunch of photos of it. And then it got featured in like some Jeep magazine for like the road trip into Willis, which is pretty When cool. was this? Oh, it's gotta be like maybe 10 years ago or something like that. That's crazy. Yeah. So it was an open Jeep though. So he froze his ass off or yeah, no, he actually, it was an open Jeep, but he, uh, a friend of his, and he got this during the trip. It had, it had some kind of a canvas thing you could do. Uh, but a friend of his during the trip, he, he was building uh, a, a more robust canvas for the, for his Jeep that he had built. And that was one of the stops along the way was to pick up the new thing for it. That's cool. But it has these, you know, the little weird doors with the canvas things, like you know, the plastic. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. He's 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 just that's, yeah. That's nuts. I don't know if I could survive a trip like that in a car like that. He he loves it. I think that's his. That's oh, definitely yeah. Daniel's thing, right? It's the, those types of things. But so yeah, whenever I see crazy. jeeps like that, I think of Daniel. It's like that's a Willis. So, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. But yeah, I still I still I still liked. Mash and to me, there's a little bit of nostalgia to it because I my my parents loved Mash as a film. Really? Yeah, they loved it. So they would just constantly quote it and joke about it and laugh and just laugh and laugh. They thought it was the best. So it was part of my family kind of like loving Mash in some ways. So which was interesting. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Did they like McCabe? I don't All know the if they've seen McCabe. McCabe. I don't think they've and seen they and they shot him on the bridge. Yeah. Oh. Oh, the, oh my god. The yeah. way he died in that cold water. Oh. Ooh, yeah, Ooh. that was funny as hell. Yeah. No, but we'll get to we're going to get to McCabe in a second. In fact, 
In fact, Eric, in fact, this would be a good time for us to take a small break and we'll it, jump bro. into McCabe uh, uh, after this. How many and listeners course, do we have? One or did we lose them all? Have we listeners? No, we actually looking at the chat, I think like four or five, four or five. I think hey. I think Dan is doing this on purpose. So that way he can just be like, you know, I am needed. And he's going to start to ask for more oh, money. Oh, right. He's going to ask for more money. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's a ploy. It's a ploy. It's a total ploy. I yeah. knew it. I, it was a setup. Yeah. He's oh, basically going to say, look, we, we have the don't facts. Talk to my when, I'm not, don't talk... when I'm not on the show, you guys are it's failing. It's a shit miserably. show. It's a shit show. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. He's such a little asshole. Well, big asshole more specifically, but that's all right. All right. So we're going to take a couple, we're going to take a couple minutes break, and then we're going to get into McCabe and Mrs. Miller, which is a great film. I've seen it once before. Uh, yeah. I've seen it once before, maybe a couple times before, but it's been a long time. By the great. way, before you go, if you rent it guys from Apple, it's three ninety nine to rent or five ninety nine to buy. Just go ahead and buy it. Right. Is I that what you're it. saying? Yeah. Yeah. I did it from Amazon. So anyway, all it was right, on right. Amazon? Yeah, it's on Amazon. I searched. It wasn't there. It's on Amazon. Yeah. You just go to M. The, we'll, we'll get this. Okay. We'll talk about the problems with renting films online during our two-minute break. Uh, but we'll be back in two minutes. And those of you who are subscribers should probably not get a ad. Uh, but if you do, uh, you know. You know, if you subscribe, you probably won't get in that. But anyway, I'm going to go ahead and do the two minute break and then we'll be right back. Thank uh, you, lad. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I so I used to go to uh, uh, sites like Just Watch and Decider and stuff like that to see where films are offered to rent. Right. And they're not listing the they're not correct anymore because it said for example i looked up mccabe and mrs miller and it said it was only available on apple i don't have apple so i looked i looked it up on amazon and it was available for rent for same oh. price 399 or whatever 299 or 399 whatever it is and by the way was, i changed i changed your ground while we were talking oh okay cool it looks awesome i'm excited I to talk about that. that can you believe i painted that while talking no, I can't. I absolutely can't because I know really you. Good. I, I know it. you, and you have a, you have a great ability to do two things at once, and I think it helps your ADD to have your mind. It actually something. does. That's why I draw a lot. I know and talk to people, and they think I'm being rude, but in reality, it's like I can't yep. focus unless I'm doing something visually. Yep. And uh, but I'll do screen grabs for you, or I'm going to render it. It's render fast. I'm very excited about it. So I Did tell you what I've like been it. doing. What I've been doing recently. Uh, myself as I have been dealing with uh, anxiety issues uh, yeah. in the last uh, you know couple of years. I, I you know I don't know. I'm trying not to be too dramatic about it, but I think obviously some of the changes that have happened recently have uh, uh, enhanced my anxiety. And uh, obviously, I try to fly fish is one of the things that I do to overcome it. Right? It's not just because I'm obsessed with it; it's actually uh, therapeutic for me. <laughs> right. Uh, but unfortunately I can't fly fish all the time. And what I've discovered more recently is like, you know, one of the things I want to try to do with fly fishing is get very, very good at casting, meaning casting very accurately at, at different distances. And, uh, I discovered, uh, that there's a baseball field that's maybe about a quarter mile walk from my house. Right. So I'll walk to the baseball field and I'll sit there and it's empty, right? And I'll cast for like 40 minutes. Huh. 
in a What do you field. use for a fly? A weight? No, I use an actual fly, but I cut the hook off so it doesn't actually hook onto anything. Got it. Uh, but I'll make a fly. I'll, I'll basically I'll make a fly that's like bright pink so I can see it very clearly, right? Yeah. Um, and then what I'll do is I'll take my hat and then I'll put it at like 30 feet and then 40 feet and then 50 feet. And then I'll try to cast the fly to sort of land in the hat. I get so, it. So, uh, and it's all about like, you know, doing the different techniques and, you know, double hauling and roll casting and all of that stuff. That's kind of a specific types of things, but it's like role playing. Is that what you said? Role casting, role oh. casting. So normal cast is when you do, you go up, back and forth. You kind of do, you know, the the way that it's described is you 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 go from from ten to two. Like if, if twelve is a clock, and then you go from ten to two, ten to two, ten to two, ten to two, right? So that's the way you do it. Um, uh, but a roll cast is when you do that. Basically, your line goes all the way behind you, and then once it's reached, you know, stretched all the way out, that's when you cast forward. So you have to time it so that it you constantly load the rod. But what a roll cast is is you just go up, the line is still in front and creates this loop like this. And then if you just go flick with a specific flick of the wrist, it creates this loop in front of you and goes and it allows you to sort of cast your line closely without having to do any back casts. So Got it. it's kind Has of anybody a, ever designed a system where it's kind of like a maybe a some sort of like air gun that can just shoot your cast out like a harpoon kind of system uh there are yeah well not for fly fishing because fly fishermen are very specific about it so you know the reason why fly fishing is different than other fishing yes because they use flies yes One. but yes Two, but they use yes. a plastic line three you have to wear waders four <laughs> different your thermoses are different right yeah. Well, okay. So, so a traditional like bait casting or, or, or spinning rods is you have your, your fishing line and you sometimes use braided line or whatever, but what you do is you have a weight at the end of, so you have your, 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 basically your hook, but you have a weight there. It could be a small weight or whatever, but the weight when you cast your line is the weight is what you're doing. You're basically chucking a, a weight out there as far as you can. Right. Yes. Um, and so that's how you cast. And the lure itself can be the weight, et cetera. And the lures are, are bigger. So you have spoons and different types of lures. And they're heavy, right? And that's what you're casting out there. At some point in my life, I did fly fishing. Right. But when with fly younger. fishing, the fly is essentially weightless. It's yes. very, very light because it's the hook, it's the fly, it's whatever. It's feathers, and even if you have feathers. bigger flies, they're they're all just made of feathers. It's just a yeah. bunch of feathers and and a hook. So it's basically weightless. Just try to make it float on the wind to the proper spot without making a big dent. Without making any impact on the water. Very yeah. little impact on the water because you'll spook the fish. So that's why you use fly. So the fly line itself has no it has weight but it's distributed over a long length and that's what allows it to be Float. fairly silent yeah. so with a fly line you have to let out all this fly line that generates the weight and you with a specific type of action and you let it like a it, it, it basically generates energy in the air and then and then it can go out there it'll never go as far as a uh, as a spinning rod but it'll that's what you do so it's 
it's all about the casting action because you have to get these lines out there. But the lines, fly lines themselves are like, I just bought one for like 70 bucks and that was a deal. I got it. It was $130. Just a line. It's like a polymer. What is it? It depends. There's different types of lines um, depending if you're a floating line or a sinking line. So for the surf, I use a sinking line, which sinks to the bottom and the sand. So that way it, the, the whatever fly I'm using stays on the bottom. Uh, but for trout fishing, you use a floating line. So uh, floating lines are thicker because they float, right? It's like a like a little float uh, out there. But it is some kind of a polymer. Uh, it, the core of it is usually some kind of a braided uh, a monofilament of some kind. Yeah. And then it's the thing. But then they also have different tapers. So for like the front part of the line, the first five feet will start to, you know, it'll taper out and then it'll have a weight. So depending where the weight of the line is. So when you buy a fly line, you actually look at like, is it a front taper, a back taper? And that also changes how you cast. And it's a ton of stuff. Yeah. It's, so there, you is know what, no Eric, it's your, chain your, your, link, chain your, link fly fishing. <laughs> yeah. Your, your guitar analogy of like, oh, I have this guitar and this thing and this fly line and that, like, it's the same analogy. It's like, same what thing. type of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What kind of amp you use, you know? The amp and the guitar is basically like your, your, your line and your reel, but although yeah. the reels are not as important. And how you place the effects. Yeah. And then the, the fly rod itself is all about, delicate energy <laughs> that yep. you're trying to, to put out there yeah all right Good let's get into uh and uh we the we do with a little bit of tie-in obviously fly fishing and mash which i thought was hilarious i was like watching him tie a fly was really funny in that um but let's get into mccabe and mrs miller which is essentially a western which i also think is kind of interesting um but i don't think anyone had done a western like that before am i right i mean no. Um, no, definitely a lot of what he's done it hasn't been done before, but right? There's definitely it, it was definitely not done that way, even like I was mentioning earlier, how they flashed the film and they did all yeah. that kind of they did it, it, and it didn't really have a it had a script, but it didn't. That's from right. what I read. And now so, if I, if I think of westerns, westerns, right? Like, there's obviously there's a lot of westerns from the 40s or whatever that are like you know got their own feeling got their own story but they're they're theatrical they're like you know like theater stories in a lot of ways right yes the, the thing that's this is closest to even though it's not and i just want to make sure you're not seeing is actually like spaghetti westerns are a little bit closer to this in some ways you know what i mean yes um but the contemporary music that guides you through also right. the women in right? nash I mean, yeah. uh, uh, what's his name? Cohen, not Robert Cohen. What's his name? Uh, um, to I, the song. I know. Yes. yes. The uh, famous blue ring. Leonard, um, Cohen. Leonard, Leonard Cohen. Cohen. But the thing is the women were similar. Do you notice that from Mash yes. in here? Yeah. The women were similar. The way he portrays uh, women. Yeah. Like they're, they're, they're kind women. of down to earth looking women. They're not necessarily the most beautiful women. Right. They were all beautiful, but yes. They were like they were not the Hollywood women. They were. That's what I was getting at. Not the not the model looking. You know. Yeah. No, and right. but also the way their strength, and a lot. Of, you know, some people were the way he. You kind of realize 
they really had it tough. Like when they first introduced the prostitutes coming with Julie Christie. Oh my God. They're walking up the hill. I was like, God. Well, just, even him buying the three prostitutes from the previous one was it's horrible. Horrible. Right? Yeah. Horrible. Anyway, well, let's, let, some, I think this is a film that some people probably have not seen. So this, we should cover this one. So you and I were going to do this together. You like this movie. You've seen it many times, I'm assuming, right? And I've seen, seen it many times. Seen it probably about three times. But it is, it is with Warren Beatty. And I also think it's interesting. It's Warren Beatty and Julie Christie, who were very big at that time because of uh, uh, Bonnie and Clyde, right? So no. they were already kind of like. She was in Bonnie and Clyde. Huh? She wasn't in Bonnie and Clyde, was she? Wasn't she? I'm pretty sure, wasn't she? No, they were dating. They, they were, were dating? dating. Yeah, she was on. Um, who was in Bonnie and Clyde? Clyde, nineteen sixty-seven. Uh, Faye Dunaway. Yeah. Not no. Yeah, not it was Julie Faye Dunaway. Christine. Yeah. But the okay. thing is, they were dating. Christmas. They were also in. Um, Julie Christie was in Shampoo with them. She was. But they were dating. They were the Hollywood couple, and uh, they did this. He had apparently had some reservations at first, and that's why he kind of took over to write a little bit because he just felt uncomfortable with the fact that it was a lot of improv. Right, uh, right. But uh, it all kind of – and he's a very pr particular type of guy to work with, and they literally lived up in the British Columbia around, and they built that community. Right. They really built it. Um, yeah. It's a and, weird uh, thing, too. It's like when you look at that machine. So basically what it is is a guy rolls into town, Warren Beatty. Right. And it's a, almost it's a, like it's a, a town. Is not, it's like, you, can, you can barely call it a town. It's like one saloon, and that's about it, right? Yes. And it was filled with mines that a lot of the Chinese were coming over. They, it was a used mine. Right. And so there was a lot of that. Now, it's a... Also very cold, cold, like it was another, British it was Columbia, yeah. British. So it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be in Washington state, but, uh, but, but it, it's basically Pacific in the mountains Northwest. and cold and he's wearing a giant, you know, bearskin. <laughs> Which coat. is awesome. Yeah. Like he, he just, he's just the most, yeah, crazy thing and, and very cold. Right. So not, not the traditional Western in the, in the, you know, uh, uh, uh that you would see in, in, uh, New Mexico or whatever. Right. So this is definitely cold mining town like you said right yeah and he he rolls into town and he basically starts or gets the inkling he wants to start a uh businesses there he, he kind of susses out everybody to find out who owns what and mm -hmm. uh they kind of view him as a stranger well a guy that could he be possibly the guy that killed well he goes into uh, the saloon right the saloon right. by the way that's owned restaurant by saloon yeah, the restaurant saloon that's owned by the same guy who plays the priest from MASH. <laughs> that's right. Right? So, uh, but, the you know, he... Yeah, but that was the, the theater troupe kind of mentality of yeah, Robert Yeah, of course. Hallman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? He used the same players, and everybody apparently went to dailies. Yep. yep. So if you wanted to check out Rushes, you can go. Right. Um, so he definitely had that community of actors, you know, right. working. So... But he rolls in and he's definitely looks, you know, compared to the miners that are living uh, that are in this in this small saloon, he definitely stands out as slightly fancier boy, right? Yeah. Like he's dressed nicer. He's got a different kind of hat 
he, a special hat that he keeps in a special case in the back of his thing. So it's not like a traditional cowboy hat. It's kind of like a bowler hat, right? It's a bowler hat. Right. And yeah. then he, and then he's, so he's trying to come off a little fancy and he's starting a fancy poker game and, and, and it, and it is, it, it's, it's, you know, if you thought mash people was talking over each other, this one, definitely people are talking over each other like crazy. Right. Um, yeah. And but they're all trying to, like you said, they're all trying to assess who is this guy? Who is this guy? But you know what's interesting? I saw, when I saw this again today, because I love the movie Rango, I really felt like the way he, his character, Rango, Johnny Depp's character in the cartoon Rango, right. is that, where this yeah. kind of an outsider who everyone perceives as to be this killer or this somebody he's not. And he kind of right. just bluffs his way through. Well, um, you know what you know what I was thinking about, Eric, and it's not dissimilar. I remember like uh, uh, Dan was telling you know oh, Dan he used to be this guy who was on the podcast. I don't know if you guys remember Dan, but he was uh, he was pretty cool. And which guy? Dan. Do you remember him? Like he was on like oh wait like a, hold on a second like a week ago maybe. Wait, yeah. wait, 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 wait. that was the wait a minute that was the guy we used to work with. Yeah, Dan, yeah, yeah. Dan Throne. Throne. Thrawn, Thrawn. It was Thrawn. Thrawn. Right, yes, my bad, that's my bad. right. Anyway, he was talking about how when they did uh, Solo, they were more the the first cut of this was going to be a much more like McCabe and Mrs. Miller, which would have been an amazing Star Wars episode if you think about it. You know, and and of course the executives. Of said course, no yeah. Way. Kathleen Kennedy took it said no, and then gave it to Ron Howard, and that's there it is. There you go. So, there you Welcome, go. artificial sweetener. Yeah. Yes. So he gets into town. He gets ideas of starting a business and it's starting a, a business. And so he's going to make he's going to make a bigger saloon and a bigger brothel. And so uh, he, yeah. Yep. So he basically now uh, goes and buys some women. Yeah. Literally buys three women for $200. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Sad. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, he could have got 175, you know, and yeah. um, but yes, he basically buys the women, comes back and sets up shop, which at the same time, Julie Christie arrives. Well, hold on. Not only does he set up, he, he's attempting to set up shop, but the but the the it's not ready yet by the time he gets there. No, so and they're actually puts, building it in real life, too. Right. And so they're actually, yeah, they're actually building that. Like you said, you can tell that they're building this town while they're making this movie. Uh, and it's all kind of like they're building the set and shooting at the same time. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Uh, but so he sets up three tents for the three prostitutes and they have their names and like a dollar amount in front of each tent for people to go visit. And it's just kind of like, oh, that's his second movie in a row with tents. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then one of the prostitutes, who's the younger it's a one, commune. He's this whole everybody's in a commune. Mash was a commune. Yeah, putting yeah, these very in these tight, tight scenarios and really seeing how humanity reacts to each other. Kind of like yeah. my heist theory, where just a bunch of people in a tight space trying to go after one goal. And how yep. they react and, and don't react, and I, I like that aspect of it. But yes, yeah, so he continued, Chris, about the prostitutes. Well, yes. So the younger, there's one definitely a younger, younger prostitute who's looks completely shell shocked from the situation. Yeah. Um, and and uh, as I can imagine, you would be because she's clearly like 15 years old or something ridiculous, right? 
Um, and, uh, you know, at one point you see her scream and knock this guy out of the tent while stabbing him repeatedly as she's gone completely crazy of the situation. And Warren Beatty tries to like break it up. And it's just like, yeah, man, you just basically set this young girl into a tent and basically invited a bunch of people to go in and continuously rape her. It's just like this horrible situation, right? People um, who basically shower. One of the comments in the background was like, I'll shower, you know, you know, when I feel like it, you know? Right. Yeah. Why do I have to be told to shower? Right. Like, wow. It was really horrible. That's another thing that I thought was fantastic about this. That's even, like you said, even more powerful than MASH is that he really made you like I could smell this movie, right? That was his Just, thing too. Right. Like he like, basically had all the actors, even if they didn't have, you know, if there was a scene with a prostitute and you don't see their hands, he still mm -hmm. wanted them to hold money in their hands. Right. Like they're actually right. doing this. And so they built this little city, this little town, and everyone lived in it amongst these conditions. Right. But I think like one of the scenes that I thought was was great and descriptive was specifically the the guy the guy who played the priest in Mash, uh, who was the owner of the other saloon, who's trying to make a deal with uh, Warren Beatty, uh, who plays McCabe. By the way, just so you guys know, that's who McCabe is. Uh, and at one point, McCabe says to him, "He's like, do you mind stepping away from the stove? <laughs> You're kind of ripe, and it smells when you do." <laughs> like it. It's like you could you could like oh he really smells bad like 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 just the fact that these people like you knew that they smelled bad and even the food that they made like it was kind of gross and you like it was yeah, tripe. it was tripe and a bunch of you know the stew was gross and like you know and his breakfast was pretty much whiskey with raw eggs in it which was gross as well so yeah, but uh, for me, that would probably be my only option instead of eating tripe. So yeah. I, I, I sympathize with him. Yeah. Well, but tripe can be good if it's prepared well. Oh, no. But I don't think it was prepared well in that situation. You like tripe? If it's prepared well in oh. certain situations, yeah. Uh, there's actually this interesting uh, stew uh, that is uh, available in Bulgaria that's like their, their hangover cure. Uh, which is actually made with tripe and it's pretty darn good. But again, it's a perfect thing to have the night after you <laughs> been drinking. Really? Yeah. It's delicious. Uh, but yeah, it, it does have tripe in it. Anyway. Uh, anyway uh, but no normally, yes, tripe is gross. It's absolutely gross. But if it's prepared well, it can be really good. Um, <clears throat> so... So yes, so he's trying to do his two-bit operation and he thinks he's a fancy boy, right? He like, does. Yeah. Yeah, I got it's this. Very Rango, very Rango. Very yeah, but and but no one in town is the wiser cuz they're pretty most of the guys in the town are pretty low voltage. Low voltage, shall we say, or yeah, they're 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 not doing too much right there, but he's like I can make a lot of money doing this. And then suddenly Judy Christie shows up, Mrs. Miller Constance Miller, but everyone knows her as Mrs. Miller. And she By the shows way, that up. machine that she showed up in. Yeah, which is the, a non-train train. <laughs> that was the craziest thing in the world, wasn't it? Yeah. Was that yeah, really it basically the train that runs 
on the ground without tracks and it has these strange metal wheels that are like it goes what about two miles an hour <laughs> something like yeah that. but it gets up that it gets up that i guess the terrain right but man it was like uh it's it was strange steam based as well which is also interesting yeah yeah imagine like trying to like fix that it was like what the was there really something like that i gotta look it up because it didn't seem like i'm sure there was that why why they wouldn't build that for the for the movie yeah that was yeah. that was something that they found they're like let's use that that's like, crazy that's, yeah absolutely it was a crazy thing it for those that look it basically looked like a like a steam train that went over like rocky terrain with these strange wheels wooden wheels no they were metal they were metal wheels no the front wheels that were covered with wood planks yeah but the, the, but it didn't have like let's just put it didn't have it wasn't definitely not a wagon wheel it was a thick it, yeah it was it was strange it was a it strange... almost seemed like something out of like one of those 60s movies like journey to the magical world of dr yeah. hookala or it's one of those kind a... of chitty chitty bang bang yeah yeah uh, that totally had this weird sound to it yeah it was chitty chitty bang bang but it was definitely cool yeah but it's um so she arrives and she's she arrives she's got, she's got a she's got a a very you know low class uh, or lower class english accent right um and she start she starts barking at him and well, he's like she's hustling. who are you i heard you're starting a brothel i have better women i know how to take care of women so right. let's be partners you put and he's up all like, the money nah, and then you you put up all the money and I'll take 50. We'll split it 50, 50. Right. Kind of like what? And so right. she basically does that. Cause he falls. He says, he says, well, I've got women. I've got this. He's like, well, do you know how to do this? Do you know how to do that? Do you know what's happening on this? Do you know how to take care of that? Do you know how to do this? And he's like, uh, he realizes he's completely out of her, out of his element and he needs yeah. a partner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he bluffs. Um, he bluffs concurrently. At the same time, well, they start a business, but he starts to fall for her. And then he realizes that she's also, you know, for $5, you can sleep with her instead of $1.50 for the girls. So that bothers him. Um, and you kind of see that his frustrated love that you see in like uh, um, shampoo, you know, right. where he gets flustered in love and can't conceive what, how, you know, he gets that way. His characters are like that. And it was great. Right. But, but I think he didn't realize he didn't realize how much she was going to make this a better operation. Like she really knew what the hell she was doing, right? Yes, but so he she was makes a little for her. She he makes a bathhouse so that everyone would clean. No, well, before he falls for her, he, he's like she makes a bathhouse so that she would everyone would be clean, including the customers coming in, right? She does this whole thing. The prices are way higher than he anticipated, right? But people are willing to pay it, really yeah. pay it, because it's worth it. It looks like, oh, my God, this is fancy. People are like, yeah, I'll pay $5, which was a high dollar amount, by the way, compared to everyone else, right? That's a lot 19, of money. It was 1902, right? Right. So $5 was a lot uh, uh, back then uh, for, for, for that situation. And so he was complaining to her. That you know, oh my God, I'm spending all this money. I don't know, you know, uh, this is going to be complete ridiculous. I don't know if it's worth it. And then she goes, "Well, here's your half uh, of the money, and it's a lot of money." He goes, "Holy shit!" And he realizes I'm going to be rich, right? 
because she's doing a really good job and everything's getting fancier and fancier at the brothel right <laughs> so people yeah, are traveling are a better class of women too yeah and people are trapped and she's bringing in the quote unquote like you said the better class of women uh that are coming in as well and a chinese woman so he's bringing in upper better talent uh right. to serve the needs of the community and mm -hmm. uh he basically it's it's kind of working out but right about when it's starting to work out and he's really kind of getting an affection for her yeah the, these gentlemen show up well, oh, first of all, you should you mentioned the, the affection for her, and this is before they show up. But he does this thing, right, where he is, like you said, he can tell that he's falling in love with her, and she, and you start to realize she also it's kind of clandestine, but she has an opium addiction that's going on as well. Yep. Uh, but he sleeps with her, and you can tell that she is starting to fall for him as well, because she's losing her inhibition through her opium haze, uh, and. He gets in bed with her, but she goes, uh, 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 and then she asks him to put the money on the table first. Even though they're partners, he still has to pay to have sex with her. Yeah. <laughs> right? You're right. And that's kind of like a thing that was like, uh, okay. Yeah. That was. But he's yeah. still, even though he might seem like a player in the town, he was, he's still a kid. He's still a kid and he and she's the one who calls him out as not if you know if you want to be known as the fancy guy in town don't wear that cheap cologne you know yeah but she, he's he's optimistic he's naive and i yeah. always felt like the but best... she knows she knows that he's a he's a poser she basically calls him out on being a poser yeah and then when that kid, there's a kid that shows up in the town and he just wants to use the brothel Right. And what happens to him later is really kind of foreshadowing because he basically what you think is going to happen to Warren Beatty because the right. kid gets shot. Right. But right around the time where he's Chris was saying he was falling for her. Um, these gentlemen show up into town and they essentially say, we'll buy out. We, repre we represent this big company. We represent Microsoft right now. And you guys are a small uh, gaming company. And we want to buy you out for $68.7 billion is what he said, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially. But, but the guys are, the guys are uh, definitely, let's say, more educated than everyone else in town. And they're fine and they're doing that. But when they first meet Warren Beatty, uh, he, one, turns them down. But he's also drunk as hell, super drunk. Yeah. Right. Which is a, he does a really, Warren Beatty does a really good job of playing that role, being super drunk and being like, ah, yeah, that sounds, yeah, nope, nope, not for sale, whatever. Right. And he walks away from it. Right. And he's like, they're going to come back with another offer. Right. I'm just going to take that next offer. This is how its game is played. Yeah. And he, and he tells, he tells uh, Julie Christie, uh, Julie Christie, and she goes, just fucking take the offer. No, because they're, they're well known. Right. They're, they're, they'll kill you if, if you. Well, it's like, just way. take the offer. And we move on to the next town, right? It was $5,500 or something like that is what they offered to buy his whole operation. 5200 $5, Was it $5,200? $5, no. $5,500 and then to $6,200. $6,250, right. So they, 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 they came up the next day to another seven fifty, dollars and they offered $6,250. 
And oh, by the way, we also realize he's a little bit hard at doing math uh, to get together. Yeah, he's not the best at math. It takes him yeah. a little time, but that's fine. That's fine. Which was funny. It was another thing that like like uh, Mrs. Miller is better at, at math. Uh, so so they're like, he says no again. And then he says, well, what what do you want? And he's like, he says $15,000. <laughs> it's what he wants, which is obviously significantly higher than $6,250. And he's expecting them to counter that. But instead, it's like, fuck it. We'll just leave. And we'll, uh, someone else will come in and, and deal with this, which the someone else is someone who's going to basically kill him. <laughs> He's going to kill him. Yeah. Right. That's the way they're going to, they're going to send in a killer. It's a lot, you know what it's a lot like? It's a lot. What's the, what was the sci-fi film we saw with, uh, the guy in the mining town and they oh, come in the killer, the space one. Yeah. That was oh, shit. Uh, Sean Connery uh, Outland. 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 Yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit like that, where the, the company sends in the killers to get rid of the guy who's causing problems. So that's it. It's, but that's a Western, too. That's a Western as well, yeah. Which was uh, based on, what's the Gary Cooper film? High that Noon. was also High Noon, right. It's High Noon, right. Anyway, so they're, they're all similar plots, but with the Robert Altman flavor, shall we say, right? Uh, so uh, anyway. But there's a charm about him. No, there is. There's a, and Warren Beatty definitely is really good at this. At which point, uh, you know, he realizes, okay, at some point he realizes, oh shit, like it's getting real. Like this guy came into town, uh, and it's and it's serious, right? Oh, we should note a couple things. This is funny. He's starting to become a little on edge when he realizes the guys aren't coming back. Yeah, <laughs> to counter his bid. And he's like, oh, shit, they may be actually showing something uh, like something's going to happen to me. Um, and at one point, someone, one of the guys in a town uh, starts making remarks about a girl who is played by Shelley Duvall. Um, and oh, by the way, Shelley, I just found Shelley Duvall and Robert Duvall are not related. No, no. Uh, but her her father in real life is also called Robert Duvall. Yes. Which is weird. Uh, but anyway. Shelly Duvall, uh, uh, husband reacts to someone, uh, you know, doing cat calls at his young wife played by Shelly Duvall and gets into a fight. He gets smacked on the head and dies leaving Shelly Duvall as a widow. At which point Mrs. Miller brings her in as a prostitute <laughs> pretty quickly, pretty yeah. quickly. Nice. Uh, Thanks guys. Yeah, don't worry. You'll be fine with of the, me. Of the of, of towns like that is crazy, right? You know, you think you have it bad. God, try to survive in a world like that. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah, but when they're doing the funeral for the husband, and they're all sort of sitting there doing the funeral, someone rolls into town, and Warren Beatty's kind of nervous, so he goes down to meet the guy, and he has his, you know, his got his hand ready on his gun. He's like, "What can I? What What are you doing here?" And the, and it's the young guy that you mentioned earlier. He comes in and he goes, "Well, I heard you guys have one of the best whorehouses in town. I just want to visit." And goes, "Oh yeah, sure, come on by." And he realizes just some young guy who wants to uh, blow all his money on prostitutes, right? Uh, and is very happy to do so. And they're all enjoying, and he's enjoying the 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 the, the thrills of the brothel. Um, 
but thrills of the problem. But you know, all the rides, like we're doing all the rides on Disneyland. Uh, but then this other guy shows up who's definitely looks like bad news with two other guys with him. Who's one little punk kid? Was one little punk kid who I was I swear his name was gonna be Billy the Kid. Uh uh, and then this other guy who doesn't talk at all, but he's like this big guy and he's got this, you know, interesting English accent as well. And it's kind of whatever. So they're clearly like, this guy is, you know, this is, this is bad news. This is it. Right. Uh, at which point, uh, Warren Beatty says, all right, I'm going to confront these guys. going to go over there. And he tries to talk to them. And, uh, the guy says, you, do you work for this company? He goes, no, I'm, I'm here for bear hunting. But, you know, I've, I've been known to do jobs for that company if I, if I need to. So you know that he's there on the job for the company pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And he's pretty much going to take care of, uh, of uh, McCabe. Uh, at which point he says, well, you know, if you talk to those guys, you know, I know that they – you know, they're interested in here and I'm willing to talk to them about a certain price. And then the guy says, well, well, what did they offer you? It's like, well, first they offered me this much money and then they raised it to this much money. And he goes, well, what did you say? And I was like, well, I wanted this much money. Oh, well, that's very different. It's like, well, yeah, I, I know that. But, you know, if they want to come down to this much, I can do this much money. Or, or And he comes down to like $7,000, like, like almost as much as they offered, just maybe a yeah. little bit higher. And he goes, well, that's that's almost the same price as what they offered. And he goes, yeah, well, you know, it's fine. And he goes, well, do you tell him that? I was like, well, I, I don't make the deals. <laughs> I don't do any deals. <laughs> I'm here to hunt. I'm here to hunt. <laughs> and yeah. they're like, oh, shit. Like, yeah, there's, there's, there's no way around it. <laughs> no way around it. At which point, you know, he's trying to talk to uh uh julie christie and she's like just just you gotta get away you gotta you know she's she's trying she's to help really him. worried for him she's, she's really, really worried for really she worried cares for him. for him she clearly cares for him um and so uh uh anyway uh you realize these guys are bad news one guy the guy the, the young guy in the brothel right tell, tell them what happens with him <laughs> that's a really that's a story. The best one is he kind of walks through town and ends up by this little drawbridge, kind of a little what kind of bridge is that? What's that? It's a it's a suspension bridge, kind of. But it's like yes. a pedestrian. It's like those bridges you see in like the Indiana Jones thing, like rickety bridge that they try to walk across. It's a, it's a little bit better than that. <laughs> yeah. But it's it, it is bridging a creek or a lake or a pond that's frozen over. Because it's yes. cold, right? And Which so is key. basically he comes across the bridge and that punk ass kid who basically mm -hmm. said, you know, why are you here? He said, oh, I just want to get socks. Right. And he said, there are no socks. And then he comments on his gun and the guy says, well, this is this. And he said, oh, can I see it? And there was a hesitation. He's like, okay. And he reaches for his gun and the kid shoots him as though his defense was he was reaching for the gun. And the guy right. goes brutally into the, the frozen water. And he's right. dead. Yep. And he got away with it. Yeah, everyone just watched it. Just watched right. it and that's it. So pretty that was a very illuminating scene. So essentially he kills him. But I always felt that was just kind of where Beatty was headed. 
But then right. when you see as the movie goes on, he becomes more of a hero. And so that helps turn him into a hero more because yeah. you kind of think, oh, no. That's well, there's a, yeah. But but there was, like you said, the beginning of the film, there was like, that's, you know, Pudgy McCabe. Like he killed so-and-so, right? Yeah. And and then, but he never really refutes that or never really questions no, but that. But like the movie Rango, the same thing. He's like, well, okay. da, da, da. and so then he just has to, he's stuck with that. But the, what was interesting is that the, the, the big tough guy, the bear hunter guy, he said, right? he, has a he, he says, are, do, are you Pudgy McCabe? Did you once go by Pudgy McCabe? And then the guy said, uh, he goes, yeah. And goes, did you kill so-and-so? And, -so? and uh, so, oh no, he says, my best friend's best friend was shot. Uh, that the guy that you killed was my best friend's best friend, and you shot him. And they and the, the guy and he says, No, well, I didn't shoot, him. I was there when he got shot, but I, I didn't shoot him. And then the punk kid is like, Are you calling him a liar? And he's like, I'm not calling yeah. anyone, I was there, you know. And then he walks out after that whole confrontation, and then he kind of says, Is that guy, you know, that guy supposed to be this big killer? He's never killed a, a single soul, right. And you That's can right. tell, right? Like, yeah, no. That's right. So you know, like, okay, so he's not some badass person. He's just a guy trying to make money in, yeah. in brothels. <laughs> That's right. And But the, it's a really – you watch Rango again. It's totally – that's the setup too. It's yeah. really strange to see. But it basically – so continue because he realizes – that those guys are there actually for him. They're they're there for him. So he's got to figure out what he's going to do and how he's going to set up. Which By the way, I do so want to awesome. I do want to note a couple things. Uh, you know, in in filmmaking, cinematography. Uh, generally speaking, if you're doing a good film, uh, uh, especially good cinematography, zooms are considered cheap. But no one does zooms better than Robert Altman films. Yeah. <laughs> Like he does a zoom where it's like you're watching a foreground and then he zooms and, the, and they're like, oh, you're watching this. But if you really zoom in, you'll see in the background what the fuck's actually going on. Right. And he does that a lot uh, in both MASH and McCabe uh, and yeah. Mrs. Miller. And they are powerful zooms, like really good. Uh, and, and they're fast. They're like, and they're long lens. They're, they, if those guys have got to be like, like 100, 150, 300 millimeter lenses at least to get those, uh, those shots in there. Really That's good. Crazy. Uh, but yes, yeah, so he, he, he goes to one of the places he ends up hiding is in the church, uh, which is not built out yet. It's still being built, but he goes to hide in the church because he can climb up to the top of the steep, uh, of the, of the, the steeple to get a better vantage point of where the guys are and where they're looking around. But most of the people are sort of not in the town. The town is mostly empty at this point. And then you just basically are following these three guys going, splitting up to try to find him. They're tracking right? him. Yeah. They're tracking him. And that feels very much like a spaghetti Western in some ways, like, you know, good, bad, and the ugly style films that are going on. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but they're tracking him. So he's in the church. And it's, 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 we're basically just like, okay, we're now in the shootout situation. <laughs> we're now in the, uh, in that, in the, the, that part of the Western. Uh, he's in the church and he goes down from the steeple to grab his gun 
that he left at the bottom of the stairs and the gun's gone. And he realizes that the priest has the gun and tells him, this is a house of God. Basically get the fuck out. And, uh, he, uh, he ends up, uh, anyway, he ends up leaving. He really does take on religion in both films. Cause it's like yeah. the, the way in mash, the priest was portrayed as kind of a, like out of touch goofball yeah. in a way that, and they do the same here. Very naive, like, very naive. Yeah. yeah. So it's really a 60s perspective on both military and religion, mm -hmm. but masked as, you know. Yeah, religion is not necessarily seen as any savior in any of these films. In fact, no. it's mo in MASH, it's heavily mocked. Like they really make fun of down to the last Robert supper. Duvall. Yeah. Oh, the last supper. Yeah. The last supper scene. They do a gag with the last supper, uh, in there, which is, which is pretty hilarious. pretty hilarious. But that was the one where it's like, that was considered, I mean, it's a classic comedy bit, but if you look back at it, it's like, really, I'll just like tell the story about that, that one. Basically the story is and this, this is, you're right. This one definitely feels dated. The story of the dentist feels dated in mash sorry yep. i'm jumping back to mash on this but one, that was but... almost like hair or yes. some sort of musical where they do that so the story is that the priest specifically goes to hawkeye saying there's a problem with the dentist and he needs your help well what's the problem with the dentist i can't tell you because he told me in confessional oh and i don't want to but you know i'm just telling you it's bad because it's bad and he goes i can tell you how bad it is and he goes how bad and he says so he said, why do I care about poker is just a game? Poker is just a game. And so that was the gag. It's like, oh, my God, I better go see him. Goes to see the dentist, the dentist uh, who's played by another character who's also in McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Uh, the guy, remember him? He was in both of those films. Was he also in Animal House? Oh. As, yeah, as maybe. Nam or Vietnam or one of those guys? Maybe. Maybe. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he he uh, is basically, you know, in uh, in bed, and he's 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 troubled by something. So Hawkeye tries to talk to him, and it turns out that uh, uh, he is very depressed because he he was going to have sex with one of the nurses, and he couldn't get it up, and he is apparently through. A, uh, before that, we also found out that he is uh, very well equipped in the in the uh, genital area, shall we say? Who was uh, the dentist? Remember, they all that's oh, when yeah. they're all spying on him in the in the in the shower because he's got a huge dong. Anyway, so um, but he's very depressed about the fact that he has um, uh, you know couldn't get it up with the nurse, and the guy says, "What are you talking about?" It's like you're fine. It happens to all of us. And it's like. You know, and you're you're such a Don Juan. All that you go out with so many girls and everything. And it's like, well, that's just the thing. I've just been reading up on it. The fact that I go out with so many girls is like, I think I'm a, I think I'm a fairy, right? Is what he says. He thinks he's gay. And that's and he's really depressed about the fact that he thinks he's gay, and so he decides that he wants to commit suicide because of this. And that's Which, the theme song for the show, too. Right, it's the theme song to the show. So he wants to commit suicide and he tells all, he goes to the doctors. They're all sitting in a tent and they're all talking about, you know, joking about him thinking he's gay. So there's a lot of gay jokes in here. And it's not a lot, but there's a couple of those in there that are like, you know, definitely don't 
age as well, specifically because he calls himself a fairy on that, which is also kind of derogatory, obviously. But they obviously they go and and they he says, well, I'm decided to commit suicide. Like, oh, well, how are you going to do it? And it's like 45 between the eyes or, you know, oh, that's awfully messy. And, and then he goes, well, actually, that's why I want to talk to you guys. What would be the best way to do this? And this is Black Capsule. Black Capsule. It's like, oh, yes, Black Capsule. It's like, what's that? And he goes, oh, that's how Hitler did it. You know, poison pill. Right. And they're like, OK, you know, it worked for Hitler. You should do this for you. So they say, all right, well, we'll, we'll set it all up for you. <laughs> but clearly they're not going to let him commit suicide, but they're gonna, <laughs> they're staging this whole thing. And they even convinced the priest, again, like you said, goofball priest, to give him his last rites. It's like, I can't do that for someone committing suicide. It's like, but he's not really committing suicide. We're actually trying to save him. So you're actually helping him save himself. It's like, I should ask the church about this. I don't know. And I, I, you're right. Absolutely right. Like the, the people of the church or anyone religious is definitely being made fun of, including, you know, Robert Duvall with his whole religious thing is definitely being mocked in this as well. Uh, and so they set him up for his last meal and they pose it exactly like the last supper, <laughs> right? They're all sitting there and they even have the light right over his head. Like he's mm -hmm. Jesus, which is uh, quite funny. Uh, but anyway, they give him the so, so called black capsule. And then he says, I, I don't know how long this takes, but I'm going to go sit in a coffin. So he sits in the coffin, takes the black capsule <laughs> and they all say their goodbyes. At which point he falls asleep, uh, probably because of the whatever pill they gave him. And they set him up in the uh, officer's uh, club. And uh, uh, Hawkeye, uh, uh, Sullivan, uh, convinces the girl that he's sleeping with to, instead of sleeping with him, sleep with that guy to help him with his mental problem blockage of him thinking he's gay. Yeah. At which point she says, okay, she eventually like agrees to do it. <laughs> yeah. He cons her. He cons her. It's weird. It's like, it feels awkward. It feels bad. It feels bad. Yeah. But she smiles at the end. So she, she does smile at the end. She's, and it, it is actually one of married. the greatest and she's married on top of that. Uh, it is one of the greatest smiles in a movie <laughs> as the helicopter is taken off. She goes from, mm -hmm. it's a really good, it's a really good shot, actually. But it is odd and weird. But the scene is also extremely funny uh, if you've taken it, you know, with 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 consideration. <laughs> By the way, don't ever say I have ADD because you were talking about <clears throat> McCabe and Mrs. Miller and then all of a sudden I, I did, I did, I did, I did, I did it. So, yeah, it's okay. I'm not, I'm not oh. going yeah, to do that. But, yes, yeah, so back to McCabe. He basically now is faced with these hunters hunting him, which is a great, great scene. Yes. And that is also, uh, uh, we should note that the terrain now has changed where there's a whole lot more snow and it is snowing. And this is one of the things we talked about before. And you can tell that it's snowing in some shots and not snowing in other shots. And so they put a treatment on to the film that made it look like it's snowing the whole time. It was a probably pretty good for the time but definitely for people like eric and i are like that looks wonky <laughs> yeah it definitely was wonky yeah but yeah. still good but still good yeah i wonder if like ilm will just go back and clean it all up start 
right? Uh, they like, shouldn't. They should. That's a film. You just let it be what it is. It's a part of history, and it's that part of the history is how they made film work in 1970s to make it look like snow. <laughs> That's right. Um, but uh, anyway, so he seemingly gets lucky and kills the other two guys by sort of hiding, and then as they try to ambush him, he kills them. Um, and the last one is the, the bear hunter guy, right? Um, yes. And he's, uh, oh, but he has been shot by one of the guys. He's So he's injured. He's shot in throughout. the gut, though, which shot is a big in the deal. Gut. Yeah. But he's still wandering around with that shot. And then the bear hunter guy tries to shoot him, at which point it looks like he shot him and he falls into the snow. And it's completely motionless. And the bear hunter guy goes up to him and he's not, he's faking that he's dead. But he, he does die. Yeah, I know. But he's faking that he's dead and he lifts his arm and uh, shoots the bear hunter guy straight you know, between the eyes and kills him instantly, right? Yep. But he's still, as you said, badly, badly shot and he's starting to wander back into town to try so to- So he was out. a hero. Because, yeah. by the way, also, as you noticed, everyone he shot, except that guy, was in the back. Yeah. Yeah. Right? He was shooting everybody was shot in the back. Yes. The kid uh, turned to the kid comes in, turns to the left, looks at the hot tub, he shoots him in the back, and he turns right. back to shoot him. The other right. guy was walking by the doorway, shoots him in the back. Right. And this guy was shot right in the face, in the front of the face. Okay. So, um, but then he does wander back and he is like, you, you realize he like, he has to wander all the way back and he's crawling in the snow to get where he's going. And, oh, and also, by the way, the entire town was distracted by the fire in the church, which is also an interesting thing. Uh, and after they put the fire out, they all decide to celebrate and get drunk. So none of them are paying attention to what's going on to McCabe at all. No. And the cave is the church. Shrug. They're more huh? focused on church, right? And yep, pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. It's a good. It, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, it, it's interesting. He just died alone, and then yeah, he basically dies in the snow and and uh, by himself. And you also cut to uh, 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 Judy Christie, who is in the opium den with all the Chinese, uh, uh, minor mine miners. Right. And she's doing opium, uh, and smoking opium in the background. And so she's, she knows that he's dead or something happened to him and she's relieving her pain through opium. And then, uh, so it's, 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 it's hard ending. <laughs> But, it is a hard but ending. it's the only ending you can really have to a film like that. Like if they all like lived happily ever after, you can't, that doesn't work. <laughs> no. And I think the way he, he almost had to die to prove he was something yeah. in a way. It, it, I know it's kind of hard to. No. Well, no, come on. It's, it's a classic tragedy, right? He is the king of the town, right? Yeah. And uh, filled with flaws. Right. She is, you know, I don't want to say Lady Macbeth or whatever, but she's she is the strength and the inspiration for him, uh, even though she's also has flaws. 
and he fucked up really badly and he redeemed himself by killing those guys but had to die in the end so it's a classic tragedy in a lot of ways yeah and he doesn't no one gets to see him as no one gets to see him as the hero yeah and you kind of really realize that when you um are in the middle of the snow yeah do you know what I mean? Because it's really, when you're alone, you're alone. That shot of him in the snow is, it must have been hard to shoot because basically what it is, he's, he's imagine a big bank of snow, of fresh snow. So it's all very light and fluffy, right? It's not packed down snow. So he's trying to crawl through it and it's, it's, it's a struggle because it's just, you know, just, uh, it, there's just a lot of it. And so he's he's kind of stuffed in this trench that he's made from crawling and he turns around and it's still snowing around him. Uh, and I, this was a, definitely a shot where it seemed like they were in real snow. And he's just, his face is slowly covering because he's got a beard and his hair, like his, his beard and his hair slowly covering itself with, with snow as he's slowly bleeding to death in, in the situation. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's just, it's very, it's very sad. <laughs> yeah. Very sad. Um, but yeah. That's uh, one but, of his best films uh, for me. Warren Beatty. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. I, I would, really I would hundred percent agree with it. It's, I mean, honestly, I loved shampoo in a lot of ways. That was, but he's one not a real you, person, but, but this one, this one's really good. And he's the, the thing about this film. And I think I can totally see it based on what you were saying before is uh, he's definitely there's pieces of dialogue that were not written and they're kind of improving it as they're going. I could tell that. Right. But he's, but Beatty definitely does a good job with that. Like can, you can tell the way he's acting that it's different. Like it's it like I, those type th that type of acting was not, you know, definitely not done in the fifties. Let's just put it that way, right? This was a different style of acting. Um, yeah, well, and, and there's also there's a very immersive world, and it was believable characters and structure and the way right the way he, his reactions were. Um, I I think it's that's the beauty of of Altman films. It's like there's a realness to it that I've never seen. Yeah. Anywhere else. Yeah, the uh, the people people feel like real people. Sure. They do they feel like they do feel like real people. Well, and, Scorsese too does the the real really well, but a little more. But yeah, I yeah. like that naturalness that he has. Um, and even when he got older, uh, it was what's the one? What's the film he did where it's in the 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 rich country English? Uh, yes, Gothic 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 Park. Park. Yeah, love that. Right. That one's really good too, but uh, uh, more refined, shall we say, than these other ones, which sometimes are not as gritty to me. Like you know, I didn't, didn't. There's a grit to Mash and uh, McCabe that I definitely McCabe. McCabe, <laughs> McCabe feel feel felt like like uh, like you know one of those things where like we're going to immerse you in this world so hard that you are going to want to like you're going to be conscious sub, sub 
you're going to worry about yourself smelling bad from, from being in this world. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's a smell and a taste, like things that films don't. I think about all the yeah. what people were raised on, the movies that people had in 1970. Then right. all of a sudden this comes along. It's like being in Woodstock, right? Covered with mud. and Yeah. Just, it's really great. Yeah. And the prostitutes, especially at the beginning when they're just like, <laughs> and yeah. the only thing worse than them is the people that they're having sex with. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> it's yeah. like, oof. It's great. That is, it's, yeah. It's very cool. Yeah. It's great filmmaking, dude. And right. you can always go back to those kind of movies. I just, there really isn't a shelf life on films like that. And I don't know why. Yeah. But I, you know, and the thing that was interesting to me is like, was specifically that like he makes you feel like you know the meals are gross right the the tripe and eggs thing was gross everything was gross uh and then you know the way that he sets up the prostitutes in the tent is gross but now when you know and it's just kind of not good and then when she comes in and she sets up everything and you there's a scene where you see all the the prostitutes in the giant you know basically barrel hot tub cleaning themselves and that getting clean and, and, so cool. and yeah Very and the way they're doing this like and you're like oh this feel like you felt like the sigh of relief like people that are clean like just the idea that people are clean makes you feel like oh she's really classing up the place because people are clean <laughs> you know what i mean and it was it, it it did have a reality to it that was like yeah because it like Compared you said to like, our it, modern world oh yeah yeah really uh it yeah. was really but that was a tough life too man i'm telling you it was a lot of lice back then i'm sure <laughs> you thought visual effects was hard yeah think about that snow thing man oh uh, my god imagine just like working in this in the snow like that all day yeah and the town you could tell the town the town was exact it was they picked the same spot and the buildings were being built for the film and as part of the film right you could tell yeah. like they oh, all right so now this is the building and this is the thing and this is what it's doing and you know the church was being built everything was being built but when he first rolled into town it was pretty much a one horse town like it was it was that one saloon you know and that was it so he was making something nicer he wanted to be a fancy big saloon and he, he got it he wanted to have a name he wanted to put his name on so it's funny he wanted to have a name and be legit but he already had a name but it wasn't legit right everyone's like oh that's the guy but that's, he wanted that's, to that's have Jim McCabe yeah but that's not really true he just wanted to be have his uh, his well people his, ask him are you the killer and he goes businessman I'm a businessman <laughs> right yeah there was a goofiness about that and I just it's that's the iron ironic thing it's like he was already known when he got in they're like oh my god like he was a celebrity but right he want his goal was to be somebody right and yet he already arrived as somebody but it wasn't yeah. real yeah yeah it's really it's really great film those are that's yeah. a film that will just be on it forever i mean you can watch that forever it's a, and not yeah. all the time because it, it definitely gets depressing at times but Oh, it's definitely, yeah, you're not going to watch it over and over again because it's, it's a little hard to do that. But uh, it's definitely worth watching every now and then uh, as a reminder of how good you have it. Um, but I also think, you know, it's interesting that we've already identified several 
interesting movies like Rango uh, that have borrowed from this. And I think you're right about Rango. Like that's an actually a, it's probably true. Uh, it's not necessarily now this plot specifically is not necessarily something that is uncommon in Westerns, right? There's a lot no, of but just the hero aspect of it mm -hmm. was definitely like the way he comes in and people kind of mix them up. There was a couple Westerns I saw where they thought he was somebody else. Um, but it definitely, you know, there's something about it. So I, right. I was like, God, that's where you go. Right. Well, I think what's also, Rango? Well, I also think it's, uh, was, it would have been, I would have loved to have seen solo done in this movie because I could see it of, of like Han Solo rolling into some small town, trying to set up some, you know, uh, some operation and then him being, you know, ill-equipped to actually do that. And someone like a Mrs. Miller coming in and saying, you want to do this right. I know what to do. And having that be the story of Han Solo, right? It was, and, and, what show was this, though? The so Han there's Solo. a movie. The movie. They made this, the movie Solo. Oh, I saw that. Yes, I saw it. It was, and it, they try to make it, they, obviously they wanted to make it feel like a Western. But I think that, uh, who who was it who was going to direct that? Uh, it was the guys, oh God. They did um, Lego movie, right? No. No, no. No, those aren't the guys who I forgot who it was and they got kicked off of it, but maybe it was Lord and Miller. I don't know, but they, yes, it was, you're right. You're was, it was, I'm thinking anyway, it doesn't matter. Pretty sure it was them, uh, but they were going to do it more like McCabe and Mrs. Miller as a Western, like yeah. with, in space. And that could have been, and Han, think about Han Solo as a character being McCabe. That could totally work. He's a kind of a con man guy, right? let you yeah. know want to do business this and that and he could have been that could have been such a good such a good movie but no nope had to do this other thing well a lot of the, they probably said look the audience that would get that analogy or get that kind of storyline that's not the audience we but have, so. but you just proved with rango that it works and that's with kids yes i know but i'm just saying they definitely uh I'm trying to just take in the mind of, of Kathleen Kennedy or whoever made that decision. Yeah. That, you know, I used to have thing. a lot of respect, but ever since you know what she's done to the Star Wars campaign shows that very narrow point of view, I think. Or that the board was pushing her because it's all about money. Could have been the board, could have been the board because she was very she's a very gifted producer. Um I just you know, whatever. It's you think she destroyed Star Wars? Well, I think Star Wars has been destroyed. Yeah, uh, my buddy but, in New York, one of my best friends, thinks that. He always complains about her. He's yeah, really I think I think I, I agree. But there's plenty of evidence that she, you know she and other people at at Disney could point to and say, "But it's doing just fine." Because Mandalorian is just fine, right? It's not a great piece. Mandalorian is, like I said, I, I I like Mandalorian, but it's not any great, amazing thing. It's basically the A-Team in space, you know, and, and A-Team was fine and entertaining, but it's not, a, you know, I'd rather have McCabe and Mrs. Miller in space than the A-Team in space. And she's interested in making the A-Team in space and not McCabe and Mrs. Miller in space. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. 
Yeah, but who? What, what's the the group that's seeing this? It's all. It doesn't matter. You know. Good film is good film. If you can deliver a good film under the guise, right? Like if you give that to the audience and go, I just saw the most amazing Han Solo film and they don't realize that they just watched McCabe and Mrs. Miller. No one's going to watch McCabe and Mrs. Miller because they're not going to get it. No one's going to watch McCabe and Mrs. Miller because it's seen as some fancy film, right? They want to keep watching Star Wars until they die. So give them Star Wars or give them a cabin, Mrs. Miller, under the guise of Star Wars, and then they'll actually yeah. get to experience something. They'll better. get to experience it. I understand. Do you see what I'm trying to say? I do, but yeah, you, obviously the decision she made. I'm not defending her, but I don't know. Yeah. Obviously, there was other pressures for her to, you know, actually. You know, for sure. Like it just wasn't her saying, "Oh, I don't like McCabe and Mrs. Miller." Yeah, no, there's like, no, we can't, we can't, we can't serve the, the, you know, the fancy, fancy souffle here. We need to make sure people get their hamburgers. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. <laughs> I understand, but yeah. that's basically what it is now. It's this big committee making. Yeah. That's unfortunate. Well, it's unfortunate. Yeah. There's so many markets now that you just hope that the good filmmakers come out through the markets you like to watch. I just, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't watch any of those films anymore. Yeah. No, I I've lost interest, uh, in a lot of ways, but there are, there, there are a lot right now. The biggest problem with good content is because there is good content out there. I don't, I don't want to use to, there is good films and good, good entertaining stories that are being told out there. Uh, but they are, um, it's hard to find them amongst all the noise because there's so much out there, right? Like Arcane, have you started watching Arcane? You did watch Arcane a little bit, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. Um, yeah. There's a lot of great programming out there. It's mm -hmm. it's overwhelming how much material there is, though. Right. Like Ozark, right? Like you love Ozark, oh. but there's like, you know, uh, um, Dead to me? Have you seen Dead to Me? No. Is it good? Yeah. Karen and I were just talking about that. She said, we watched the first season. We loved it. It was so good. It's a dark, it's kind of a comedy, but not really. It's more dramatic, but it's interesting. Very, very interesting. Um, and we loved the first season, and we were going to watch the second season, but there's so much stuff out there, we just forgot about it. It's like, hey, we never watched the second season of that. <laughs> You know what I mean? Because yeah. there's so much stuff. I know you have to be pretty rigid and, and put it in your calendar. Like I can only right. watch this. I, I had an I, I had an idea of a an, an app that you could that that I was gonna try to make. Don't say it. Because you Why? can put it out. Don't. I wouldn't. I would okay. hold on. Well, to I'll tell idea. you offline my idea. No. Tell me if you if think you it's a good idea. If you want to tell your view, our viewers, yeah, but you know. You have good ideas. You, okay. This is this is how good a friend Eric and I have been for over the years. He's trying to protect my intellectual property that I was about to divulge to everyone, but I'm I'm okay with it anyway. I'll tell, tell him. you guys. Tell All right. Well, I don't. Nothing against you guys. I just you know. <laughs> the idea is basically, you have all these different streaming platforms. You go to this app, right? You put all this different all the platforms that you watch out there, right? And then you put all the programs 
And you keep feeding this information. Like here's a movie I want to watch. Here's a thing I want to watch. Here's a series I want to watch. Here's, and you just feed this machine with all the content that you're interested in. And you have a, all of the things that are on your it's list. It's called the Netflix algorithm. They already have wait, it. Wait, 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 wait. You just feed it all of it from all the programs. And then you basically say, okay, great. Uh, I'm going to watch TV. Uh, it's the end of the day. I'm going to watch TV for, let's say, three hours, or I need one hour of, of stuff. And it figures out what to show you. It shows you stuff that you need to say. So you're never... You're never sitting there going, should I watch this? Should I watch that? Should I watch this? Should I watch that? It just say, okay, oh, you know what? You have Ozark on your list. You're going to watch three episodes of Ozark right now. Boom, done. And it just decides for you. And therefore, you can just it'll just be something that like it's it's your master list of all the streaming platforms that just delivers. You just tell it how much stuff you, you say, oh, I want to watch uh, comedy or this. And it's like from all the lists of stuff, you can do that. And so it basically... It's 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 you, it's your own algorithm that you create to make your stuff. Now, so instead of going instead of Netflix, down, it's your own. It's very Web three, in fact. It's like your own artificial intelligence. But here's the thing: going and taking the time to fill that all in, it's going to be a lot of work. I don't know. I've done. I've got a Eric. I've got a ton of stuff on my watch lists in all the platforms that I don't actually watch. Because I don't get around to looking at the watch list, but if I have a program that tells me it's like it's it's like a, it's think of it like a like a like a movie workout. You know, how the workout says, "Okay, today I got to do legs." All right, I guess I'm going to do legs. It's like today you're going to watch Ozark. Oh, I guess I'm watching Ozark. <laughs> yeah, I understand. It's TV guide. You're on yeah, but TV it decides guide. for you. It it decides for you. The biggest yeah. problem I have with like sit down in front of the TV. What are you going to watch? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, I have it planned out on my calendar already. That way I can get through all the material. Right. So you see, you're doing, you're doing on your own, you're doing what I'm telling you the app would do for you. I understand. So, so you're doing the same thing. I'm doing the same thing. But yeah. I definitely am. Um, I don't know about an app, though. Yeah. Well, at one point I thought I was going to build this thing and it was making a lot of money. but I think it's a good idea. Just don't tell anybody. Okay. Yeah. Don't put it on the podcast or anything. Don't put it on the podcast. Um, I wonder what Dan would say. Remember him? Um, which guy? Uh, Daniel Throne. Daniel Throne. Thrope. 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 Yep. It's Thrope. That's right. Oh yeah, Big Dan. Big Dan. So, by the way, we have gone. Usually we're shorter with our regular podcast. What do you mean short? Oh, when we don't have a third person, we're shorter. Well, how long no. have we been? Two hours and forty minutes, forty-one. Oh, it's the same. Yeah, we're doing good. It was longer. This is good. Yeah. Um, so we're good. We should talk about uh, what do you, what do you think? Do we? I think we can do a do a watch party next week i think we should we've had a lot of holes in our programming well Um, the holidays were tougher for sure so i think we need to spruce it up and start doing our weekly thing which is good so i definitely think we should do a watch party next week hopefully dan will have his power back by then and we can actually do that so dan Dan. (laughs) 
Oh, fancy director boy can't come to his podcast, huh? Oh. <laughs> so yeah, he's shooting right now, right? Uh, no, he's he he said he well, he told us earlier this week that he would have to leave at six, hard six, to make his shoot. Uh, but yeah, he doesn't have to do that. So. Why? Because as he's not on our podcast, so you probably are. Oh, no, no. Him. I thought you were talking about the shoot. Yeah, yeah, no. No, he'd probably still be able to shoot. Yeah. I'm, if he has power. Hopefully he has power. Yeah. yeah. So. All right. Cool. Well, it would have been nice with him here because I know he's a big um, Altman fan. Yeah. Well, you're too. Right. You, I think we're all, all three of us are, are Altman fans. Okay. Here's a question for you, Eric. Tough one. This will be a good one. I don't, I'm not even going to guess where you're going to go with the answer to this because I, I, I really don't know. But uh, who would you would you uh, who would you rather watch a film or, or or who's a better director for you? Who's more important to you, Altman or Woody Allen? For me, yeah, that's a tough uh, one, right? Woody Allen. Woody Allen, more than Altman, huh? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a. Tough I can see question. both. I can see both. I just Altman is so interesting, like his films, the way they're made, the way they're edited, the way they sound, the way they feel is so immersive and so interesting, but. Um, I think Woody Allen has deeper stories they and do. deeper characters. But I yeah. have this love-hate relationship with him. Um, yeah, oh, yes. yeah, totally. totally. Yeah, I would say Woody Allen. Mm -hmm. Robert Altman's 70 stuff I love. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I love Gosford Park and The Player. But stuff in between... I'm sketchy about, but there's all a lot of Woody Allen I just picked from because I love those comedies. Right. So I, I would say Woody Allen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? How about you? I, I, I feel the same actually. Um, but I know you really love Woody Allen. Uh, so, and I know you really like Altman. So it's just interesting because of how it worked. I, I like both of them equally. Uh, but there, like, there's there's nothing like Altman. Like, you, you know what I wanted to watch so much after seeing these films, believe it or not, was I wanted to watch The Player again. Yeah. Because The Player is almost like such the perfect movie to talk about how Hollywood is fucking up again. Like, he, Altman came out of Hollywood, the breakthrough that he did because of how Hollywood was fucking up. And that's how he became Altman. And they slowly in the 80s and 90s are like sliding down that BS again. And he made a movie called The Player, which is specifically calling him out on that exact thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the the uh, the enterprise of Hollywood in some ways. So it's interesting. The enterprise of Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, 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 I love Robert Altman's films, but I definitely, there was more of a thing I related to with Woody Allen uh, sure. then. But in terms of imagery, Woody Allen, it depends on who is DP, like Gordon Willis. But right. there's directors who are visually more stunning than him. And I like, 
So right. it's a tough call, but I definitely, like you're saying, I can relate to his films. Though I do love, you know, Altman's films. It's a tough like, call. Like, like, like Popeye. Not Popeye. <laughs> Not Popeye. Not Popeye. But there was a lot of good films, dude. Yeah. A lot of good films. Um, considering, you know, usually some directors just, you know, make a couple good ones and then they teeter off. But right. He really was um, sustainable for a long yeah. period of time. Um, yeah. And the thing is, like, I'm looking at his IMDb and it's like, he's got a bunch of wonky movies that he's done, but he's done amongst them. He's done incredible movies. Right. So, but, um, you know, like the player shortcuts was also really good. Actually. Shortcuts, I love shortcuts. Good. Really good. Uh, ready to wear Kansas city. Yeah. But you ready know, ready to wear. Was, yeah. Mm -hmm. well, I gotta go back and visit that. Mm -hmm. But he did do Popeye. You know, so like, eh, you know, but at the same time, like Woody Allen, like Woody Allen, he, there's something about what he does. that's a little bit like his stories are, they, they are about personalities that are, you like them or leave them, but they, he's going to tell you about a personality uh, and, and get involved with that person really, really hardcore. But, you know, he too, right. He started off with a very goofy vaudeville comedy thing as well. Right. Like, he did. You know, bananas and all that other stuff that he did that we covered earlier play against sam played against sam yeah right yeah um what else did he do he did uh sleeper. i mean tons did sleeper i mean funny times he did some yeah he did so many yeah. great films but yeah i think it's uh i don't know i mean i still i I still liked some of his late, like his later, later, later stuff. The stuff in the last ten, you know, 20, eh, fifteen years. I take some of it. I can take or leave, and partially, but things like I loved deconstructing uh, Harry. Yeah, you always uh, liked that film. Yeah, I think it's because it's so. It's 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 a very uncomfortable film to watch because it seems very autobiographical about him loathing himself in some ways. Yeah. And I think that's very, the, but I also like, like mighty, Af remember mighty Aphrodite. That one's yeah, pretty good. That was yeah. good. Yeah. And Alan Alda from the mash years was always also on that yeah, in uh, right. Manhattan murder mystery. And yeah. 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 There was a lot of, you know, who does the you ever watched uh, Bill Hader do an Alan Alda impression. It is crazy. It's the best. <laughs> it is so damn good. Right? Yep. It's amazing. Yeah, he does some of the best impressions I've seen. Okay. Once you're done with Ozark season three or four or whatever it is coming out, uh -huh. once you're done with that, I want you to watch Barry. And I mentioned I've watched Barry. You did? Okay. Oh, yeah. I love Barry. I, you remember when I worked in that theater in LA, in Hollywood? Yes, I do. I swear they based, like, it was it, the acting classes when you were doing 20 years ago, those acting directing and classes. Two, that's right. I was there for three, four years. Yeah. And it, I, I swear they went, somebody went to that program and they used it as a template. I'm telling you, like the Henry Winkler was like my instructor. <laughs> it's all so, and the people in it, exact same. They're all like worked at Starbucks. Either porn stars or, yeah, yeah or, or, <laughs> There was a guy that was in there and he was a um played for the Lakers, something like that. 
he just wanted to sleep with all the girls in the class. And he did. He was the worst actor. But it was just like, oh, yeah, he's he's moving to aisle two now and just kind of plowing <laughs> through the girls. And it was unbelievable. Yeah, 100%. It's the craziest well, thing. There you go. So I watched that show, and I'm like, wait a minute. Because uh, <laughs> it just seems like, I don't know, there's a, there's a bunch of acting classes in L.A., but there's definitely uh, one that, and I won't say the name out loud but i'll tell you off but <laughs> so i like barry a lot because I, yeah. I sympathize with uh oh, some of those people yeah um, it was, i like uh, St stephen root i think he's he was really really hilarious that he story. was he the russian oh no the 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 the, the, the russian the the bald head guy he's the best isn't he great he's the best yeah, oh, okay. he's actually a friend of my neighbor uh, down the street. And she yeah. told me, he's like, oh, yeah, he's an actor on Barry. And he goes, oh, really? Which one? And she told he's like, he is my favorite character in that whole thing because of the way he talks. It's hey, so I have funny. a question. Have you seen Succession yet? I have not. Start with the first season, dude. It's genius. Which What platform? Is it Netflix? HBO Max. HBO Max. Okay. Do it. I'll do it. You'll love it. Okay. You will love it. I I'll think put it on my it. list and use it my might, app. You know what? It to might be to a little too sophisticated for, for you, but test it out. I like how you 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 like to 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 make it Rib seem you. like I'm a, my my simpleton uh, uh, sensibilities. Uh, uh. No, you will love yeah. it. Uh, Karen will will love it too. It's such okay. a great show. Um, the problem I'm having now. The first season. The problem I'm having now is that Karen and I actually cannot watch shows without the kids because they're always around. And oh, so it's yeah. hard. So I have to does wait. Does your daughter for... hang out in her room and draw? She does actually a lot. So does my daughter, yeah. Yeah. Just she like does. She does a lot alone. of drawing and you know, that's that that's fine. Uh, oh, yeah. Brady likes to hang out with us and uh he likes to watch old sitcoms with us. So um, you know, we went through Frasier. That was a big one. He knows, and he still, you know, loves Frasier. He's seen that, you know, many, many times. Uh, Seinfeld, he's done a bunch of Seinfeld and now he's on to the golden girls. So he's watching golden girls what? constantly. Yeah. So that's his thing. He likes old sitcoms. Um, and, and he gets, the, yeah, he loves the golden girls. He loves, you know, Blanche and Rose and all of them. So there you go. Uh, so it's harder to say, yeah, I'm going to watch McCabe and Mrs. Miller. I can't watch that on my big TV when Brady wants to watch Golden Girls. So it's a little sucks. Yeah. So I can, well, I can tell him to go to his room and play video games while I watch movies that are inappropriate for him to watch, but it's harder. Succession. Watch Succession. It's awesome. All right. All right. It's really good. I think you might like it. Um, okay. But you got to start at the first season. Okay. We'll do you that. can't start, you know. Uh, in, in the, the most recent one, because you you need to know what's and like, you you haven't watched um, uh, uh, oh god what's it called now I'm blanking on it the Charlie's Amazon, Angels no the Amazon show that I keep talking about um, around the bend no it's hold on a second that's with Fred Amistad and uh, Maya Rudolph. And uh, crap, I keep I, I've been you know, my memory is obviously 
that? No, let's do actor. Um, oh God, uh, come on, what's the show? Oh wow, he's done. Fred Emerson is very, very prolific. Well, Forever, okay. that's the name of the show. Forever. Okay. You haven't watched that one. It's on Amazon Prime. Good. Get. I will tell you this. Do me a favor and no. go through the first four episodes before you make any decisions about it. Because it, it first four episodes, you're like, okay, kind of see where it's going. And then by the time you get to the fourth episode, you realize, oh, this is a very different show than I thought it was. And I mean, very different. <laughs> But you need the first three episodes to get there. But it's got uh, it's got um, uh, uh, Fred Armisen, who's obviously you know him. He's very funny and very good actor, actually. Uh, uh, Maya Rudolph, who I know you like, love, and Kathleen Keener, who oh, is very good. Her. So so those are the main ones. You know, she went to my college college with my sister. Yes, you did tell me that. Isn't that strange? Mm -hmm. Peter Weller is in it as well. Uh, and so, yeah, there's some interesting people in it. I would definitely, definitely recommend that. It's, it, it completely went under the radar. It's like nine episodes. I don't know if they were expecting a second season. I, it doesn't need a second season. It's pretty Say much the name again? forever. I'm not going to tell you why it's called that way. Cause that's part of the reveal, but watch it. You'll like it forever. On Amazon uh, Prime. Prime. All right. I'll look it up. Um, Watch the first four episodes and then you'll get it. You'll start to get it. Huh. Forever. All right. I'll look it up. But yeah. I got to get through Ozark because the new Ozark's out. That's that's perfectly fine. Does it, is it, do they dump all the shows at once or are they one of, yeah, it is Netflix, yeah, right? They so, have, yeah. Yeah. So, yes. well, I, I withheld. I only watched one last night. Mm -hmm. I'll watch more tonight. So okay. I don't want to overdo it. Then All right. All right. Well, I think I think we're in a good spot that we're going to wrap it up. But I think we're going to try to do a watch party next week. Hopefully uh, we can have our, uh, our uh, the third person involved in this, uh, which would be great. Ty Cop? Yeah. Uh, time Cop? Is that what you said? Ty Cop? No. <laughs> I don't know what we – we'll have to figure out. If you guys – well, obviously – if you guys have any suggestions for watch parties, uh, we'd love to hear them. Twitter is a really great place to do it. So just go to Twitter. Uh, so we're at Martini Giant on Twitter. Uh, you can always email us, uh, podcast at martinigiant.com, and uh, let us know what you think there as well. So but love that to hear was a nice from show. you. It was a good show. It's a good show. We didn't need Dan. We did much better without him, actually. Um, missed, but we'll, we'll, it's fine. He had stuff to do, but yeah, that was nice. Yeah, it was it was great. I would really would have liked to have him on, honestly speaking, because I would have curious. But I also think Eric that he probably might have dominated the conversation, and we would not have been able to get all the great points of view that we, you and I have had. Over he this. does dominate, but he does have a knowledge base. It's always it's inspiring true. listening to him. It's um, true. But yes, I think it's uh, we'll get him back on the team next week. Get him back. I miss off. him. I did definitely miss him. Uh, so hopefully he has a good shoot today. I hope everybody had a good time it. too. Yeah. Hopefully you guys had a good time. Do we have any listeners anymore? 
Yeah, we still have some listeners. Jason just said good night, but uh, we have some listeners. Definitely. Good night. Thank you. Um, all right, I'm gonna go uh, get ready to shut it off, but we'll do our our sign Who off. Who does his uh, thing? We'll just do silence. Uh, yes, go ahead. I'll do the first one, and then you do the second one, and then we'll do crickets after that. All right. Drink. Talk.